know whenever we link up, my nigga. They think this shit come from outer space or something. <laughs> <laughs> nigga, let's get this money, nigga. Masterminds. ROC. Double MG. Jay, I got it. I got it. Four stacks for the hills. I'm a bitch beat. Car seat still smelling like 10 keys. Tell a plug that I'm looking for an increase. Wingstop, fat boy, need a 10 piece. Say a nigga name in the car star. Nigga switching lane to lane like Walmart. Sipping Bordeaux, I'm Bordeaux. Has the lights flashing on the Bordeaux. Yes, 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 people. Ah. Uh. The devil is definitely alive because Echo Chamber is here in full effect. What, what? Right, so this is a bumper episode, man. We are coming at you both barrels full. Um, we've got Oscar talk and we've got captain marvel man and it's straight up flavor for real so let us jump in with the uk box office for the weekend of the 8th to the 10th of march all right so at number 10 we have attila battle angel at number nine we've got the boloshi ballet doing sleeping beauty at number nine, the kid who would be king. At number seven, aftermath. At number six, we have Green Book. At number five, How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. At number four, Instant Family. At number three, The Lego Movie Two. At number two, Fighting with the Family. And at number one, you know what I mean? As, I mean, basically, as you would suspect, it's Captain Marvel, baby. And Disney are extremely happy with this film. So let us look at a little press release that they just sent out. Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel has proved to be a true hero of the UK and Irish box office, taking a whopping 12.75 million over its three-day weekend. The film which sees Academy Award-winning Brie Larson become Marvel Studios' first female lead superhero had the biggest opening of any film so far this year and is Marvel Studios' biggest ever origin film. The film opened globally with a $455 million opening, becoming the sixth largest worldwide debut in history and the biggest for a March debut. Captain Marvel is also the third biggest opening ever in the month of March in the UK and Ireland box office. Set in the 1990s, Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel is an all-new an all adventure 
for a previously unseen period in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that follows the journey of Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes, while a galactic war between two alien races reaches Earth, Danvers finds herself and a small cadre of eight allies at the center of a maelstrom. So, and then we are thrilled that Marvel Studios' first lead female superhero movie has not only become the UK and Ireland's number one film, but has had the biggest opening ever for a Marvel Studios character debut, said Lee Jury, head of Walt Disney Studios UK and Ireland. We hope that Brie Larson's portrayal of Carol Danvers will provide a new role model for generations to come and look forward to seeing Captain Marvel continue to go higher, further and faster at the box office. The film also stars Samuel Jell Jackson, Ben Middleston, Dejon Hunson, Lee Pace, Lashana Lynch, Gemma Chan, Rune Temet, Algenes Perez Soto, McKenna Grace, um, with Annette Benning and Clark Gregg and Jude Law. So yeah, big things happening at Marvel and you know, April is just going to be, I was going to say be as big, I mean April's going to just smash it, April's going to be even bigger because end game is coming and god damn it man, the world is waiting. Alright, so let's get into the podcast, Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a few weeks, um, you know what I mean, it's a few weeks late, but hey, myself and director extraordinaire Tupac Faber discuss our views on the recent Oscars, so enjoy. Okay, so by popular demand, we are back. With Tupac Faber, director of Tides, and um, I think it was one of the most popular episodes of the podcast. So um, we decided to do a little Oscars breakdown. Now, obviously, the Oscars happened a while back, but I mean, who watched the Oscars, right? So, eh. It's fine to do it a few weeks late. So we're just going to, yeah, basically go through, I think, a, a few of the awards. Obviously not all of them, because who really cares about, I don't know, best sweeper-upper on the stage? So we're going to leave those ones, and we're going to get to the nitty-gritty. And we're just going to say it as it is, because... It's all politics, right? So we're going to cut through all of that and give our opinions on who won, who should have won, and just what we think in general. So, um, Tuvac, what is the first... Hey, Kevin. So, yeah, let's, let's 
We haven't really tested out this format. (laughs) (laughs) We're pretty much going like the traditional Oscar way, where we're gonna we're gonna read out the nominees, right? Yep, yep. And then we're gonna talk about it. So we're gonna start. Oh, okay. So I've got the little envelope here. (laughs) We're gonna start with best adapted screenplay. Okay. Um, Here we go. So. The Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay nominees. The Ballad of Oscar Scruggs, written... I'm not going to bother saying who wrote no, no, them. No, no, the Ballad right. of Oscar Scruggs. Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me If Beale Street Could Talk and A Star Is Born. And, well, Black Klansman won. Are we doing that? Or should we say at the end? Anyway, whatever. No, Black Klansman yeah, won. That's fine. Um, I mean, the thing about this... Oscar ceremony is that we're only going to have to read a few of these categories before we've covered every film, isn't it? Because it's the same films in every category. I know that's yeah. the case in most Oscars, <laughs> but um, this is a pretty good overview. I mean, other than The Favourite and Roma, these are the big. These are pretty much the big films of the year, aren't they? It it did seem that a lot of the same films are in basically every single category, yeah. which was a bit weird. For some, it makes sense. For others, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. I mean, and Black Klansman winning Best Screenplay. Adapted. Adapted, adapted Screenplay, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a, this, is, this, is a, this is a big one to open with, isn't it? Because it really, like... Black Klansman kind of, for me, represents what all this Os- the Oscars was about, which it was great that you've got, you know, representation after the scandal of what happened a couple of years ago. Mm. Is they've really, really, you know, they've taken that into account. But what did you, what did you think about Black Klansman? I thought it was very safe. I, 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 I didn't... The thing with Black Cat, it wasn't a terrible film, but it was a very safe film. It didn't, I didn't feel scared watching it. Mm. You know, there was no anxiety watching it. When you're watching certain films, there was that kind of, you know, you, you felt tight. You felt like, oh shit, I can't believe this is happening, man. This is... Ugh, you know, your stomach's turning, you're just feeling like, ugh, this is repulsive, this is, ugh, I, how could this happen in this day and age, you know what I mean? Well, apart from the final sequence, I thought, the bit where they show what had happened at Charlottesville, which was, uh, and yeah. it, you know, it was kind of tagged on to the end, but for me, that was the best part of the entire film. It, it was, but that was a thing, though, it was just tagged on at the end. Yeah. And it was a bit like... And he didn't know that was going to be... I mean, it wasn't like that inspired the film. No, He no. saw that whilst... I, don't, I think it was had he in post-production. He was like, yeah. that's the end of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he saw that and then decided that he was going to make a film about this. I mean, he didn't even generate the project. I personally thought the film was a bit of a mess. Like, it, mm. no, I kind of... I wasn't bored. And I kind of... I guess they were, it was enjoyable, but I thought it was... God, this is awful, but I thought it was a bit amateurish. I just thought yeah. the whole thing, like you say, like it didn't hit the marks that it needed to hit as a, either as a historical 
um, document or as a thrill, like he mm. talks about Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon in terms of his references for this. It, it wasn't what it, it, it wasn't that touch like that. No, any of those films. <laughs> no yeah. I mean, it wasn't that level of, you know, you need skills to make a thriller like that yeah. and you need to hold the audience. And this film for me didn't feel like it knew if it was a comedy or if it was a thriller or if it was, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seemed like every act had a totally different vibe to it. Yeah. And um, for no reason. Well, yeah, it, it was weird. I, I went with a friend and she had read the book. Oh, yeah. And so when we came out and I was a bit like, there's, there's parts of the film that make no sense. And she's like, oh, the book kind of explained those situations. Oh, because it was just like, when they were both, remember, they were both in the same room and you had, um, you, you had the guy making the phone call. And you're like, well, why didn't you just get Adam Driver to make the phone calls? But Perry really hates the fact that that isn't explained. Yeah. Is there an explanation for that? Yes. What, in, that? In, in the book, because... They were so the department was so busy. Yeah, they weren't around at the same time. So they, they were never no, in the same room together. But in the film, they show it. They're there. Right. And so I think that was kind of pretty lazy filmmaking. Because at least have them somewhere else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why no, that they, makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. But when you're seeing the film and they're both there, it's just like. Why the fuck is he making the phone call? <laughs> this makes no sense. This is weird. This is stupid. And then it was like, look, we, we know what it was like in, in those times. So the fact that he goes to the police department and there's only one policeman being a bit mean to him. And that was only saying a, a, a few little things and giving yeah. him the wrong hat. He'd be like, look, we know it was worse than that. Yeah. Look, you have to show it like it was this just horrible situation. Show it as it was. Don't show it just like a little light ribbing. Ooh, you know what but I mean? That's, that's why, how I felt like tonally. It just didn't know what it was. Mm. Like it tried, it wasn't going to be that, you know, hardcore investigation into race because it would have done the things that you just described. And, and it, but it wasn't hardcore enough for no. that. And it wasn't funny, but, and then it, you know, tried to, it was kind of funny, like, I think the traders sold it as a comedy. Yes. But it wasn't yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah. funny either, no. because it had, you know, it was around some serious topics. And I though though that, it did give the pauses, it did have the laugh pauses. It did. The infu- I hate the laugh pauses. <laughs> Just stop that shit. Just stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so not massive weird. fans of the film. No. And I think it's great. This is the problem with the Oscars, though, isn't it? Like, they, you know, politically, they always leave it too late to give prizes to the people that deserve them. Yeah. And it's like, we should have given Spike Lee, a, they should have given him an Oscar to do the right thing. But it was, you know, the, the, the landscape wasn't right. Yeah. And so now, and they do this all the time. And you feel sorry for the other guys. I mean, let me just go back to the list. Let, let, let's say um, who we think should have won this. Because we're on adapted screenplay. Maybe yeah. we should move on to There's what, original was, screenplay. If Bill Street... If Bill Street, the talk is there. Ballad Buster Scrubs, I thought was actual rubbish. Black Clansman, we've talked about. Can you ever forgive me? 
was all right. Yes, that's okay. If Beale Street could talk, I thought was a mess. But, you know, it had some redeeming features. Its screenplay wasn't one of them. And as I would have given it to A Star Is Born, which is the most Hollywood, <laughs> cheesy <laughs> shit, obvious movie. But I kind of feel like, that going back to baseline on this, I kind of feel like the only films that I'm of any interest to me this year in this list, yeah. Aroma, which totally speak to me, and I think is possibly one of the best films ever made, and uh -huh. is exactly what the world needs right now. And then A Star Is Born, because it's what Hollywood was built on. And yeah. it is, you know, no surprises, but just really well done. Like, I, I, I've got a lot of friends who don't want to watch it because they're like, oh, but look, it's, the, it's he's too good looking and she's a bitch <laughs> and it's a cheesy story and I've seen it before. I'm like, yeah, all of that, for definitely, but it's really well done. It's just really, yeah. did, did you, you've seen that one? No, I, I, haven't, I haven't got around to seeing it. For just, those reasons? No, no, just because... I just, it's time. Yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to find yeah, the sure, time sure. to go. But no, like, I told you, I only got to see The Favourite <laughs> two days ago. You know, because yeah. of time. See, and the thing with, look, the, the, I don't have a problem with A Star Is Born. You know, because, yeah, this is what, the third, fourth version? I think it's the third version. But from, from what I recall, every version is different. Yeah. So it's not like it's just a straight up remake, remake, no, remake. No, no. So... No, it's not so much that. And yeah. It's a classic Hollywood formula. Like yes. it's one of oh, the first yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood formulas. Yeah. And it's so classic that every era feels the need to kind of give their take on it. Yeah, yeah. And you watch this film, and you're like, okay, there's a reason for that. Mm. There is a reason for that. And you're never going to get more. Well, I don't know, but you've never got more than pure Hollywood. Big stories, big characters, big emotions. But... That's what the Oscars was built on. So mm. I think that there's a question here as to whether, you know, they've done a really, really good job in being, poli I don't want to use the term politically correct because I'm not sure it's correct that they'd be doing it, but it's sensitive. <laughs> it's politically sensitive what they're doing by, we'll get to Rami Malek in a bit, but I think like that, that was criminal. <laughs> that they gave it to him because I actually think he was awful and I think that film was just bad but um, it's kind of like that. this encompasses that yeah yeah yeah, yeah the yeah, fact yeah. that it went to the film that needed yeah. a you know it, it it ticks a lot of boxes in terms of representation and B they've been overlooking Spike Lee for a long time Yes. You I know, mean, he yeah. made his opus, which was Malcolm X. He made his best film, which was Do the Right Thing. I don't even, I don't even, like, we should have a computer here, shouldn't we? Because I don't even know yeah. if those films were nominated. But I don't think they were. I See, that was a thing, because at the time, like, because you just thought, because Denzel <laughs> should have won. Was he nominated? For, he was nominated. He was nominated, but he just didn't win. And yeah. you're just like, he shouldn't, he should have won because he won he for Training won. Day. Well, that, exactly. And it was just like... Which is a good film. It, it, until the end. The end, it shit the bed at the end. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, up yeah. until that point, yeah, it's a good, it but was a decent... Oscar movie. No, that's a thing. Malcolm X Oscar. is an epic 
Yeah. In the David Lean kind of sphere of things. Yes. And that be- deserves to be at this night. Training Day no. is like, it's a good cop movie. Yeah, it's a, popco- not, it's a popcorn, yeah. fun film to watch. But yeah, yeah. it's not And shame- doesn't that elevate the, like going no. back to Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon. Like Dog Day Afternoon is more than a heist movie. Yeah. But which is why everybody always talks about it. And that did deserve to be at the Oscars. But Training Day's not. No. It's just really, it's good. But, yeah. You know, it doesn't deserve to be there. No. It, and it I would argue that about a lot anything. of these films. Well, who yeah. Are there, they're this year. Because that, that's the thing. Because I think if something is going to win an award, it should be doing something to that um, genre of film or yeah. that, you know, it should be talking to us in this moment in time. Yeah. And yeah, there's definitely films that have won that just don't. Just don't. No. <laughs> and it's just like, why the fuck is that winning? That makes no sense. And um, yeah, it was just like, because you, you, you think like, so um, do the right thing. Great. Jungle Fever. Great. Yeah. Like even Girl 6. I liked Girl 6. I never saw Girl 6. Yeah. Or, um, oh good. What was the, the basketball film? You Got Game. Yes. That was really good. I enjoyed, yeah. No, he, he, went, he did a run. What, I, he, he's one of these odd directors, I guess. Like, um, there's not many of them. Who am I thinking of? Orson Welles. That his run started from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. It, like, he gradually got less accessible or worse or whatever you want to call it. Because She's Got to Have It is great. School Days is pretty good. Mm. Then um, Do the Right Thing. His best film, as I yeah. say, I think then was Malcolm X, wasn't it? Or was there one in between those two? Was it Jungle Fever, then Malcolm X? Anyway, my yeah. point is, like, he had a real block of being oh, like, no, a really I think, important good I think filmmaker. Crooklyn was before Malcolm X That's as well. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you had those films. Yeah. And, and it was a really good indie filmmaker. Yeah. And, when he, oh, and gosh, this happens yeah. a lot when they go, when an indie filmmaker goes Hollywood, it doesn't suit them. Yeah. I, I think because I think sometimes it's like you're used to doing things on a tight budget, mm. so you're forced to With be creative. Yeah. And but once you've then got all the tools, it's a bit like oh, well, and so you relax a little. It's just like I, you know, I think about this with um, music a lot, like rap, rap especially, and the Wu Tang especially. Yeah, <laughs> because it's just like. They were so hungry, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the rap, it was so raw and passionate. Yeah. But once you had the money, you can't talk about certain no. things anymore. And so I think that's the thing with certain directors, certain actors. You see them when they're struggling and striving. You should always be struggling and striving, right? Well, like technically, music. yes. Yeah, I mean, I... I t- I'm not going to cover our ground, but we, I think we went into the Wu-Tang from 36 Chambers to all the way to Red W and Gravel Pit. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And there is a distinct increase in resources and decrease in urgency. Yes. And in, but then you've got, thinking of an artist like Marvin Gaye, for instance, who the more successful he got, the more chances he took. Like, yeah. okay, I've got my money. I'm going to get a fucking symphony orchestra. 
yeah, 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 and yeah. see what I can do with that. Like, you know, I will fucking, I'm always, I'm never gonna have enough money to do what I want. And yeah. I think that's how you become a success. Like, never lose that hunger, never lose that risk of failing. Just, it, mm. as you get bigger, your risk of failing should just become bigger. Oh, yeah. No, but you, you can... You shouldn't t- ever get comfortable. No. Which is what you're saying. And, and there's certain people, and when they talk, that they've got that ethos. Yeah. And you can tell they've got that ethos. It's just like, a lot of people don't like him, but I respect the hell out of Jay-Z. Yeah. Because... Like, you, you look at him from back in the day, those beginning albums, and then you look at him now, and the way everything's changed, and he's not like, there's you, you think of people like Westwood, and Westwood still wants to dress in the baggy, yeah, and act like, yeah, I'm like blazing it on the streets, like, where's my home? And it's just like, well, shut the fuck up, the 90s, man. Right? Shut the fuck up. And I'm totally with you. Like, Jay-Z, I'm one of those people. I'm not... I don't dislike him, and I always listen to his new album. But at the very least, with the blueprint and this new... Is it 444 one? Ah. He's do, which I actually Ooh. really like. I love that out. Like yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just you, you just listen to it, and it's just the, the construction of the album. He's figuring shit out. Oh, right? it's, it's insane. Yeah. And, and, the, and the last few albums have... The, the messages in the out in the music, the the, the f- different flows, the thi- the different subject matter that he's talking about, it's like, oh shit, he's talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking about marriage issues. He's talking about being a shitty husband. Yeah, about like you know, the fear. Mothers, yeah, and fi- it's like rap, mother, rap yeah. Don't, doesn't talk about this. Yeah, like the fear of being a terrible role model to his kids yeah. and shit like that. And it's just like, whoa. And, and you just think, like, from Big Pimpin', you, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. It's just like money, cash, hose. It's like he went from <laughs> that to this. The story of OJ. Big Pimpin' to the story of OJ. Yeah. That's, that's the, the growth in that is just ridiculous. And when he talk, he's always talking about, like, trying new things. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like, he's I wanted to shoot a video in the Louvre. What a 50-year-old rapper looks like. Yes. And is still relevant. Yes. And is willing... I mean, to be fair, he can afford to fail. Well, yeah. <laughs> he can afford to disappear tomorrow and never be heard of again. Yeah. But he's not, like, he, he's not afraid of being totally discarded by his fans for trying things that go wrong. And as much as I like... You know, I think that album fails as much as it succeeds... But you've got to give him props all the way through for trying stuff that is like, really? You're going to talk about this to me now? Yeah. And you're going to sample that, like, either A, so blatantly, or you're going to spend the money on that sample, and I can't even make out that it's there. Like, yeah, the hammer, the hammer sample. Yeah. Because you don't, you, like, it's gone. Like, it's so, you really have to listen to get the Hammer sample. Yeah. And people only really got the Hammer sample because he referenced Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Otherwise, a lot of people wouldn't have got the Hammer sample. Yeah. And so, yeah, you've spent that money on that sample. Yeah, but man, you, that's what I'm saying. You're not lazy about the sample. But then, on the other hand, you've got the Nina Simone sample. And it's just, all, it is him, in a way, saying, you should, if you don't know Nina Simone, you should check it out because it's fucking hip-hop. Yeah. 
and you know like this is basically what she did and I'm just rapping over it and it's amazing which is more what traditional hip hop's about right yeah but he, he spent the money and he and he does both of those things and yeah but this like we're saying so he's got the money and he's just saying like what can I do with this I don't care if I fucking fail um, but I'm not just gonna get comfortable and do, give them the same thing again which is who are we talking about Spike, Spike Lee in yes. Hollywood. Spike That's what Lee. we were talking yeah. about. And, and, the weird and how thing, much of a better indie filmmaker he was in yeah. a Hollywood film. But the, the weird thing is, remember when he made, um, was it The 13th <laughs> Hour? Yeah. yeah. Which man. was a completely different film. Yeah. And it was a bit like, I didn't love it, but I did think, okay, I respect that you've completely... Yeah. Gone out and of the your, inside man. Yeah, oh, the inside which man was great. Spike joints. Yeah, you know, even though I don't even, th- I don't remember, but I don't think it even said a Spike Lee joint at the beginning. It was like I'm just going to be a director now. Yeah, I'm going to fucking pay my dues and make, you know, like a prison film. And yes. I'm going to make a heist movie, and those aren't bad movies no. actually. Like I'm not going to say that's that, that that's the best prison. I mean, I know it's before he goes into prison, but. It's not the best prison, best prison ever name, but it's a good drama with good cast, you know, delivering. Yeah. And, and The Inside Man, I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but I know a lot of people who are, I who did, really I love did. that film. I, I, I remember the first time I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is good. I didn't expect it. Yeah. I think the thing was, I didn't expect that from Spike. Yeah. And so that really made me enjoy it more because I know the second time I watched it I didn't dig it as much and I think the f- I, I really enjoyed it the first time and I think a lot of that was the surprise of that, that I'm seeing this from Spike yeah 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 and, and, and that it stood like it wasn't a, it, it wasn't his ego pasted all over it it was like him just saying look I can stand alongside other you know people who make this kind of films and obviously he loves Sidney Lumet and people like that and he I just can't st- stand Clive Owen unfortunately I know, <laughs> I know. but I'm, I'm so good because remember when that time when he was in everything yeah. and I was just like oh just just disappear just di- please disappear and I was so glad that he yeah, has kind of me. disappeared because <laughs> god he, I just find he's one of those people where he's Clive Owen in everything he can't, like, look, like, you know what I mean? Some people are probably definitely going to disagree with me, but I don't think he's a great actor. I don't think he's a great actor. I, I, I think Apart he's... Apart from, and this may segue us into the next category, <laughs> Children of Men. Oh. I like Children of Men. I honestly, like, maybe try it as hard as he might. I love, I love Alfonso Cuaron, and I just think maybe as hard as he might try... He couldn't, he couldn't, no one could have ruined that film. I love that movie. I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. And um, with, should we move on to the next category? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've yeah, only yeah, done yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a really random one. It's been best adapted screenplay. And that was our Oscars chat. <laughs> next week, best original screenplay. <laughs> So best original screenplay, we got Vice, Roma, as you know, that was the segue, Green Book, First Reformed, which I'm gutted I've not actually seen, and The Favourite. And um, this time, let's not say, 
I mean, everybody knows who won, but I've actually seen. Have you? How, how many of these have you seen? I've seen. Oh, good. I think three of them. I've not seen First Reformed. I've seen one of the other. All no. The other ones. Did I you see Vice? No, no. Vice is worth watching. Okay. It's, it's. It's. Did you see The Big Short? Yes. It's not. It's The Big Short again. But I've, not I've, as good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's I've not as good as the like, big show. Yeah. But it's, it's the same type of movie. I mean, the story's amazing, but like we were talking about Black Klansman, you're pro- it's heavily based on one of the many books about <coughs> Cheney, and I think that you're probably better off reading that book because mm. it's probably going to be more interesting. The film's really good, and if I hadn't seen The Big Short, I would have thought, like, that's really cool. Yeah. It's yeah, comedy, yeah, yeah. and it's like Adam McKay's really, like, he's managed to transfer his skill set into something really interesting, which is comedy and documentary and feature, th- and, you know, drama. But I don't know. I, I, it, it just wasn't as satisfying. <laughs> and then Green Book. Yeah, I've seen that. Which, what, what did you think about that? I just didn't... It was safe. Again, it was safe. And it was weird. <laughs> it, it, was, it was just... It was about the driver. Like, you di- you, the doctor didn't seem to be a part of that film. He was a, a footnote. And there was all these scenes that really kind of forced things, like when they were driving through Kentucky, and it's just like, oh, oh, I've got to get the chicken from here. And then he's like to the doctor, it's like, oh, do you want something? He's like, no, I don't. He, what do you mean? I'm surprised you don't like the chicken. And it was just like, oh, don't do it. Don't, yeah. don't do this. Don't do this. And so you knew. As soon as that happened, you knew how that scene was going to go. And I was just like begging for it not to play out like that. I was like, please do something different. Please do something different. Well, see, the crazy thing was, so it was the son of the driver wrote the book. And didn't speak to any of the doctor's family. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the word. And the thing is, he hasn't denied not doing that. So the family came out. Because the family came out and said, firstly, the doctor wasn't gay. So you've got the scene in the film where they're saying, oh, he, he was gay and blah, blah, blah. So they're like, that's not true. Then they, was they, that in the book, at least? Or was that just... No, but the, his film? son wrote the book. But it was in the book. I, don't, I can't remember. Right, okay. but, that, but the thing is, even with the book, the book wasn't researched through the family. So the book's only coming from one side as well. Well, that's the issues that people have had with this film, is, yeah. it is race through the eyes of a white yes. protagonist. Yeah. And I did think it was weird. Did Mashallah win supporting, or did he win lead? No, he wasn't up for lead. He they was both up for supporting. No, Vigo was up for lead. I think Vigo was up for lead. I think see, so. This is another thing that I thought was like I went to, when I went to see the favorite. It really struck me like Olivia Coleman's not the lead in that film. No, she's not even she's not the protagonist in that film. And I reckon of the three of them, she's probably on screen for the least amount of time. Yeah, and like Emma, Emma Stone. Emma Stone is the main character. Like it's, a, it's her story. It's yeah. the story of a girl who turns up at this house who's lost everything and has to get shit back. Yeah. 
So, so it's her lead. story. She should be the lead. And then Emma Rice is the supporting. Yeah. And, and Emma Stone's in every every scene, pretty much. Yeah. Because she's in every scene with um, Rachel Weisz, and she's in every scene with Olivia Colman. Yeah. And I, obviously, Olivia Colman's performance was the standout thing about that entire film. But how do they pick these things? Because she was not the lead. And also, <laughs> Vigo and Mashala. Really? I, I'm just double-checking this. Yeah. I, I find that hard to believe. No, it, yeah, it's, it, it's really... Actor in a leading role, we've got... Oh, you're right, Vigo is there. Yeah. That's kind of offensive. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> you, but you wouldn't say he's the lead. He's in it, but he's in it probably as much as the Doctor. Yeah. Together for most of the film. Yeah. Like only at the very I mean, beginning. In terms of minutes, because Vigo goes and meets him. Yes. That, so yeah, maybe minutes it. on screen, but from the moment they meet, they're, they're on screen the for the almost exactly the same amount of time because they're always together. Yeah. And I don't think that a protagonist is the one necessarily who's on screen for the longest. Like going back to the favorite, yes, Emma Stone's in the first shot of that film. And it's her story. Yeah. But sometimes you meet the protagonist, you know, a few minutes in. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're setting up a world. And, yeah, no, that's weird. That, I'm, not, I'm not sure that... Though I would have put both <laughs> of those guys up a lead. I know. But then maybe... Then you would have had... You, you would have... You'd be pitting them against each other. I think that's what... I think what they do is they go, all right, who do we think is the best chance of winning in each category and then they do it like that even when it doesn't technically make a lot of sense to anyone else because yeah it was just there's so many weird things about that film because also the 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 whole bit about the doctor being estranged from his family the family are like that's not true now the thing is even if it was true obviously they might deny it now so it's hard to know how much is true. But the weird thing is, the son didn't go, I did speak to them, or blah, blah, blah. He, you know what I mean? So he didn't speak to them. He didn't make yeah. any effort. And he isn't denying that. So it's a weird thing to write this book and then a film about race and barriers yeah, yeah, yeah. when you haven't actually got all the evidence and all the knowledge to write it. This is on the best original screenplay as well. Why is it, if you're telling me it's from a book, why is it on not adapted screenplay? I don't know. Okay, because that's weird as well. Maybe it's, uh, once again, like the actors, it's in the wrong category. But the point is that, look, independent of whether it's true, or independent of whether it's racially sensitive, it's not a great movie. No. And, like, it, you know, I really enjoyed it. I've, like, sense be damned. It was fun. It was, you know, it was, it was, I, you didn't, did you actually not enjoy it? No, I thought it was fine. It, yeah. But it was it just was safe. It, 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 oh, totally. It, yeah, it, 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 for me, it was a, um, a Sunday matinee film. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So and it, also, like, going back to what I was saying about Star is Born, <coughs> there's a whole 
kind of area of Hollywood that dedicates itself to this kind of movie. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah, just yeah, like yeah. safe, nice, buddies. You know, no one's going to get really offended. It's yes. not really about race. I mean, it's not. It, no. You know, it kind oh, of no. touches on the subject, yeah. but it's hardly no, it hardcore isn't. about that, <laughs> is it? And, Do um, you remember the, um, the BBC after-school films and the Disney films that used to be on on a Sunday in the morning? I do remember. That's I remember the BBC after school. That's film. what this reminds me. Yeah, of. What, yeah, like yeah. Some, one of those because they weren't <laughs> offensive. Like some of them were a lot of, were really good, but for the most part, they were kind of safe little things. Yeah, that kind of looked at certain things, but not really. But for kids, really. yes, like they're not really gonna get into it. Yeah, they didn't get into it, and it was, it was an you know, it was a it was a. It was more comedy than drama, really. Yeah. Oh, and the yeah, drama yeah, yeah. was there to really to serve the comedy. And I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna shit on it because I did enjoy it, but it doesn't belong in any of these lists. No. Apart from possibly that the performances were really good, but those are the only two lists that it, that where it deserves to appear because they were really good. But like, I, I also question whether they needed like how how much can you excel in a arena like Green Book, which yeah. is not, you know, like, this is once again, the Academy just getting it wrong. <laughs> like, they're trying, and I give it to them, they're trying so hard to, you know, be hip and with it and correct <laughs> and, like, not be the shitty, racist, sexist fuckers that Hollywood's always been. And they're trying really hard, and I'll pat them on the head for it. But they—they they are <laughs> those things. Yeah, but it, it, and it's, it's like just good for you for trying. But you're not really—you're you're never gonna be relevant. No, it was like giving Haley, Halle Berry the Oscar for Monster Ball. Yeah, where it's just like she's made better films than Monsters yeah. Ball because Monsters Ball was a weird film because it was just like he—she's falling in love with a racist. But where's the arc? Because he's an arsehole to her. He's racist to her. <laughs> and then suddenly she falls in love with him. There wasn't any, like... Because if you'd shown, like, at the beginning, he's this. And then you see the change. And at first she's against the change. She doesn't believe it. But then his actions speak louder than anything else. And she's just like, oh, shit. No, you are a nice person. Oh, now I'm in love with... Like, I would have been more with it if it was like that, but it was just racist. No, now we're in love. And it was just like, wait, what? <laughs> What's going on there? Yeah. And she won an Oscar for, and that was just a bit like, what? And it was just like, because they fucked up so badly the year before, the next year it was just like, we're gonna give black people Oscars. Um, you and you. A black person yeah. and give them an Oscar. <laughs> And that's the problem with the Oscars. It's a bit like they 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 try, they try really hard. but they just get it wrong. Because they're not, they don't it's not them. Yeah. And it's not what you know, it's not and I question like do they do the are the Oscars relevant? Do they need to be relevant? Which is why no. I feel like certain films 
there are better films that were made last year oh, than were on no this doubt. list. No doubt. And there are better films, like, maybe we should skip to the next category here. Um, <laughs> because we, it seems like we can go on quite a long time. Like, don't want to start talking about best sound sound mixing because we could go on that <laughs> we could go on that for like three hours. But the next one on the list is okay, visual effects, which I know is. I think that was Panther, wasn't it? It was First Man. Weird. Oh, okay. Is Panther even on the list? No. Well, that's weird because it seems to be in every other category. Yeah. Right? So they've got Avengers: Infinity War. Christopher Robin, which I've seen for my sins. First Man, which I've seen. Ready Player One, so oh. the one list on, on this list I have not seen. It's Solo, A Star Wars Story, which is Ugh. pants. So bad. Um, so that's interesting that Panther's not here, but it seems to be everywhere else. Yeah, because it seemed to get, it it's get all the costume awards and the other effects awards and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, okay, there was a lot more effects, I guess, in Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm just, like, going back to, uh, you know, if we, if we're, we're establishing that this entire thing is a conspiracy in order to make the Oscars... <laughs> oh, the fact, that, the fact that Black Panther was up for best film, no. Was like, it up for best film? It was up for best film. Are you I, serious? I, yes. I loved it. I thought Black Panther was incredible. I was so happy when I saw... I went to a comic book convention in... Um, shit. Oh, gosh. I think it was 2012. I went yeah. to um, New York Comic Convention at the Jarvis Center. And um, like I was putting my hand out. They were avoided. No one would have let me ask a question. And I finally got a chance to ask a question. <laughs> Why, because they knew who you were? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think they just thought I was a bit combative, maybe, or yeah. something. But I remember I asked a couple of questions. They completely, I think one was about like, diversity in comics, which they completely avoided. And then was the, this at the big reveal, those big reveals that Marvel do, when they pr announce which is going to be their next summer blockbuster? Um, it was the. It was Have the, they announced it already? No, no, no. So uh, this, this it, at that comic, at that comic con, like it was the what? It was the last year where they did actual decent reveals and exclusive signings and things like wow. that. And I think um, Neil Gaiman, they just announced Neil Gaiman was going to be writing something for them. I forget what. Oh, and they were gonna no, they they were gonna be pre-printing Miracle Man, and that he was gonna write new issues of Miracle Man, I yeah. think. And there was some other things. Oh, no, he would have been doing this new Sandman as well after the after the end of it. If he then did this, the aftermath thing. Okay, we're yeah, but um, yeah. <laughs> so I remember I asked a question about Black Panther yeah. then in 2012, and so you know, and the whole thing was. Like the the script, you I'd heard that there was a script, but they were just like, we can't make it yet because we don't. We it's too it'd be too expensive. We don't have the technology to make it. Right. So when, like going to the cinema last year and actually seeing it, and for it to kind of live up to 
everything like seeing the like the comics and the way like bob armand and salvaluto yeah. kind of drew it and the, the stories from priest and everything like that and seeing this stuff like come to life it was incredible i loved it but it's not the best film it's no. it's not the best film honestly <laughs> like i but re- I, I know that you and i are both marvel fanatics and comic book fanatics I don't even think it's the best Marvel film. I really liked it, but mm. it's probably in my top five Marvel yeah, 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 films yeah, yeah. that the Marvel Studios have made that Kevin Feige's done in his run. Yes. But I don't even think it's the best one. And therefore, once again, I think it's like, oh, yeah. you're trying a bit hard here. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, best yeah. film, please. Yeah. Not, there's not one Marvel film that deserves to be in that category. No. Although, going back to what you said... Big props to the, the, that lady who did production design. Oh, Because she created oh that God. universe, and that film, incredible. honestly, is, in terms of world building, it might be the best-looking Marvel film, oh, I think. Yeah. Don't it, you think? It was incredible. Yeah. Like, there's Wakanda just looks amazing. And, and it is, I can see why, I think it's the production design of Wakanda that makes that film so important oh yes because it's creating a world that doesn't exist yep could have and should have should exist yeah and uh, uh, that yeah. yeah that and that's a thing so i'm i'm so happy that the film didn't come out in 2013 right yeah, yeah, yeah. because it would not have been that. no it wouldn't have looked like it that. would not have been that and if it didn't look like it did it it would have been a dis 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 Justice, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just it wouldn't have felt what it should have felt, and so that's the thing. The, the production design, like the, the the just the the scenery, the cinematography, all of that was just incredible. The filters yeah. that were used, just ev- it was incredible, and and it really made that film. As you said, I do think, yeah, it's probably the best looking film. It's the be- yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 it's probably the best film. Man, like my beef with that film, and it's not even beef, actually, because I really enjoyed it. And with every, as a comic book fan since day one, like with every comic book movie that comes out, I'm like, this is going to be the dark one that takes, the, you know, that make that whole, is no, no holds barred and is going to be you know, like, has the depth of the comp- that we know that comic books go to to yeah. tell these really quite, you know, these stories that have, that span the entire range of darkness and light that, human, that stories can. Yeah. But yeah, they yeah. tend to just end up being these lightweight things that are made for a mass market. And Black Panther, whilst it, once again, it wasn't that... But what it, for me, what it was was it ten. It was a it was a family film. Mm. It was actually the, my two year old daughter. It was the first film she ever went to the cinema. Oh like, shit! Yeah, we took her, my wife took her to see that Did because she go we'd seen it forever. <laughs> it, she, she hasn't said her first sentence yet, but it might be Wakanda. one of her. <laughs> say daddy, say daddy, Wakanda. But, <laughs> But man, she was just gone one, and she loved it. Like See. it's so colourful. 
Yeah. And it's so, you know, things are, you know, happening and it's fun and, you know, like, I think the bad guy in that film is possibly the best Marvel bad guy there's been. Oh, Killmonger was so good. Yeah. 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 And so, anyway, look, getting back to the point in hand, it's not the, like, that film needed to have a, a really broad audience and they made it for a really broad audience yeah. and it succeeded for a really broad audience and it's still not like Christopher Nolan's Batman movies are too joyless for me to be the yeah. comic book movie that I want to see and a lot of these Marvel films are too l- lightweight family blockbuster for me to be for, to be the comic book f- we should do another one of these on comic book movies but, well, um, in Endgame next month, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Captain Marvel, which yeah. I'm not seeing. Yet. Oh, I saw that this weekend. Yeah, let next month we'll we'll do after um, Endgame. Yeah, we'll do one, and we can recap the kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do that after Endgame because that's the end of Phase One, isn't it? Basically, yeah. So that we'll do an end of Phase One <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Okay, so let's move on from this. But like, we both agree even though we might disagree on where Black Panther sits in the Marvel canon, there isn't a Marvel film that's been made yet that belongs in the Best Picture no. category of the Oscars. No. And yet, yet it's there. Yeah. And which is a beautiful highlight <laughs> as to... What the Oscars what are. the Oscars are, are trying to do, bless their cotton socks. Anyway, so we're on visual effects. I mean, like, what do we do? Should we talk about the visual effects? I do actually think... Did you see First Man? No, I didn't get round to it. It's not... It looks re- It's... I didn't like it all that much. I mean, um, it's kind of dull. It should have been a documentary. They've now made the Apollo 11 documentary, which right. I'm quite interested in seeing. The drama of it was, this is really difficult to do, and they might not be able to do it. But in a historical drama where you know they did do it, <laughs> and you don't have a like, really enigmatic central character yeah which you know that's a story unto itself but Neil Armstrong was apparently famously quite stoic yeah and it wasn't a man of very few words and you know very introverted man so here you're it's a film about a guy who doesn't say much where you know what happens at the end yeah so not not really a lot to work with and I just think Poor Damien Chazelle just keeps making bad decisions. <laughs> but um, it looked really good. It looked like a documentary. Mm. Even the bits that were obviously CG looked real. And that's probably why it won that category. Uh, should we do sound mixing? <laughs> should we skip that? Yeah. Just to, to, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Roma, and A Star is Born. The sound on... Unfortunately, I got to see Roma on Netflix. Did you see it at the cinema? I didn't, because it's subtitled, so I can't see the subtitle. And I I really wanted to see it, because it sounded very interesting. (coughs) But, yeah, it's just... Oh, have you not seen it at all? No. Yeah, they move so fast, and they just kill my eyes. So uh, it's just like, ugh. Fair enough. So I have to avoid okay. it. Um, I mean, r- apparently the sound in it, I was, I was listening to a podcast 
Will Alfonso Cuaron talking about how they did the design of it. Because I'm just looking now here at sound editing. We've got Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, A Quiet Place, and Roma. Again, um, is meant to be amazing. Uh, and yet it's produced by Netflix, which is an interesting, you know, which was another one of the well, um, scandals, wasn't yes, it? Yes, there's some interesting stuff, of, like maybe we'll touch on at the end about the whole Netflix cinema. Yeah, exactly. Because the, a lot of people in the film industry are upset that it even got, was allowed to be in these lists. Which is, but I did think what Alfonso Caron said was correct. It'd be like, if Netflix didn't pay, who else is paying for this to get made? No one. Exactly. So it's a bit like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say this is an incredible film and then go, well, Netflix should never have made it. Because who el- then who else is making it? Yeah. Like, you, you know what I mean? This is like, when, you know, in this world with funding, like a lot of things are dependent on funding and money. And when a lot of the funding streams are shutting... Why are we then turning our nose up at other ones? It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. bit like, and that's all it is, is people going, ugh, they, they're not welcoming our club. Yeah. And it's just like, why not? Look, you might not like everything that they do, but there's some stuff that they've made, like Bird Box. I was very surprised with Bird Box. I enjoyed Bird Box. I enjoyed Bird Box. There was some bits in it that I was like, that makes no sense. But then there's <laughs> other bits, and I was just like, yeah, you know what? I, did, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Bird Box. I enjoyed Bird Box as well. And obviously, like, as I say, Roma, I feel it, possibly one of the best films ever made. Like, I, the moment I saw it, I was like, that is, it's the culmination of a whole lot of cinema. It's you know, it's the full stop on a whole history of cinema that is kind of where I'm from. Uh, it really speaks to me, and it's, I just thought it was wonderful. And obviously, I'm South, half South American as well, so there was that element to it. It was, it was totally my jam. What See. can I tell you? And, you know, like, in terms of going back to what I did with Tides, he didn't show him the script. Oh, my it's God, now white. going back to it's his about. own film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My boy. Oh. Like, like, that was going to be my boy. Uh, <laughs> I was wrong not to be on that list. <laughs> but if it was going to be anyone there representing me, it was going to be Alfonso. Mi hombre, ahí está. Oh, man, I, I'm so gutted that I haven't been able to see this film because it was playing... Is play- it not a dub version? Not as far as I know. Right. Because it, like, it was playing at the London Film Festival and everyone that I asked that went and saw that film, they were just like, oh, man, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, and it's I was just like, It's oh. just wonderful. It's really, it, you know, it's all, it does what cinema is meant to do and, and, and you know, every aspect of it. Look... I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna look it up for you to see if there's some dub version or something. Then it must exist. I don't know. It's, it's a, see, it's a weird one I because they wouldn't have got that. Be, because I remember when um, they they did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and there was the dub version of that. Yeah. And they said if this is 
successful will dub more films. And the dub version did sell. The dub version sold a lot of copies, but they didn't do anything. Right. They, they still didn't. And, oh, man, I was burnt hard. Because then, from the same studio, they brought out House of Flying Daggers. And because they said, yeah, we're going to dub more films, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch House of Flying Daggers. Yeah. And I remember I went down to Blockbuster. It was, I just finished my exams at uni. And so I was just like, yes, finally done. So I went down to Blockbuster, they had a deal on, get a video, get a bottle of wine. I was like, I'm having that. <laughs> <laughs> so I got House of Flying Daggers. I put it in. It was subtitled. The, I think the film was an hour and a half. It took me four hours because I kept on having to rewind and my neck was so stiff at the end and I was drunk from drinking two bottles of wine and I was just like, oh. <laughs> well, what do they do <laughs> for the hard of seeing? Like, what, what, how, does, how do they do? Because they, they, there are... Th they don't deserve to see films. No. <laughs> Not really. When you go to the cinema and they have say this film, what do they say? As like, audio description. What does that mean? So no, not audio description. Well, yeah. No, yeah. Right. No. So they, so audio description would be like when you have the, the, the you know the, the the bits in a film that where there's no dialogue, like the like he goes and opens the door. Okay, but that's designed and, for people. Yeah, so, so yes, that, so what that's... What do they do in, for foreign films for people who are hard of seeing? They don't do anything. Nothing that I'm aware of. That's shit. Yeah. So, like, th there's always been talk of apps that would yeah. kind of, you know, dictate, you know, you, you'd sync the app up to the film and it would, but nothing ever comes of it. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Oh, because I'm just like, it'd be a thing. So you, you just have your headphones in, no, you just put the app on, and then you could watch a film. Yeah, and there's a whole fucking history of, of foreign films that you could yeah. access that you haven't been able to access because you have a problem with subtitles. That'd be amazing. Oh, man. It'd Somebody be, do that. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> do need. Because I don't even think it would be a difficult thing to do, especially with the way technology is now. No, you, these things are already subtitled. You just need someone to read the subtitles. Yeah, but you could. But now, where when you have things like Siri and you know, what I mean, yeah, AI right. voices are so much better. You could probably make an algorithm that would just do it. That's a really good idea. But yeah, if you're out there, you want to make a fortune. <laughs> do that. Because <laughs> you're right, you could do it, and you could do it into every language. Yeah, yeah. And you would just use the whatever that file format is that they put on DVDs that reads the subtitles and just feed it into your whatever your Siri or your vocalizer thing, and it would just spit it out. You wouldn't even have to have, yeah, okay. yeah. Let's go and make a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> Can we take a little break before we move on to the next one? Yep. Alright, we'll be right back. Okay, so we are back. The Oscars have not killed us. Uh, <laughs> right, so um, we are now going to um, directing. Now, I, I, I'm assuming this is best director, because it says directing. Um, so the nominees were Black Klansman, 
The Favourite, Vice, Cold War, and Roma. And uh, Roma takes the nod. Takes the nod. Well, I've already said how far and above I think that film was from everything else that was made, not just this year, but in a long, long time. So, deserve, deserve it, yes. I mean, the favourite, I thought was great. Yeah, um, that, that, I mean, that and was deserves some to good. be there. Yeah. And Black Klansman, I think we're both in agreement. <laughs> doesn't, you know, it's there for other reasons other than its, um, yeah, mm. its qualities as a movie. Yeah. And, uh, Cold War, did you see it? Didn't it was, it's another foreign oh, film? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, um, it's good. It's a lot like a lot of other films, a lot of other kind of Eastern European period movies that I felt was a little bit directionless, which right. makes it slightly ironic that it be under best direction. <laughs> but it definitely had you know it had things about it. It was beautiful, but. Um, there are a lot of other Polish and Hungarian films over the years that were, yeah, that deserve to be there a lot more than that did. And this is, I mean, it's kind of interesting that there's two foreign language movies in the Best Direction category. Yeah. Which is, again, you know, like, once again, like, it's good that the Oscars are doing this. I don't think they quite understand... It's that they don't really know where their place in the world is. Like we're no. in a very fast-changing world, and here we have an organisation that's been around, you know. Well, this for was what the ninety-first Oscars. Yeah, exactly. And they're finding it really, and it's still a bunch of. I mean, I imagine it's still a bunch of old white men who are reading pretty much. Reading I think, yeah. Academy. And they realise that they've got issues, but they don't really know how to handle them. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely think that, I think, if you went back a decade or more, like, to have an Oscar, to be nominated for an Oscar, that was the hugest thing. Yeah. Like, that would take probably an actor from the C to the A-League straight. Yeah. You know, that would probably bump up your pay by probably, what, 10 grand or so, something like that. You know what I mean? That's, that's taking you to a new stratosphere. Yeah. But I think now, I don't know if it holds the same cachet. No, I don't think it does. I think it's seen, it's not really seen even... Like, the other awards are kind of vying for first place. Mm. I think can weirdly is almost has more weight to maybe it's always had more weight to it in certain ways but i think in terms of what it it also has a much higher profile than it ever had yes and so um certainly can winners are taken a lot more seriously than oscar winners nowadays it means more yeah and i kind of think like if you win at can or you do well in can you're kind of viewed as right that's going to be something you yeah, know what I mean you're going to be at the oscars yes and it doesn't work vice versa no yeah. no 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 to yeah to win at the oscars it it's not as much kind of like oh well this will then do this and this yeah. but to win at can it kind of speaks to 
the direction that your your film or documentary, whatever, is, is going to take. I kind of feel that Berlin is getting more yeah. cachet these yeah. days as well. There was a lot of talk about, you know, Berlin and winning the be- the bear. I yeah. mean, it's a bear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Berlin and Venice yeah. as well. Yeah, these things which are, were always kind of filmmakers' festivals mm. and not didn't really have much of a public-facing, you know, profile. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't even know if it was... It, I imagine they have had a hand in that, but it's very much those things are taken a lot more seriously, which ironically, like, again, I don't know if this is true, but it feels true, those festivals seem to have held their ground. Like, I know, for instance, that Cannes made a r- had a real issue as to whether they should have shown Netflix films or oh, not. Yeah, yeah. It because re- it's just not cinema, and, the, you know, they were really quite stringent about whether Roma would even be allowed to be shown. I think in the end, obviously, it was. Yeah, because it was Roma and it was the Oscar Wells one as well, I think. There was that big argument about those two films. Mm. And I think it it got to the, you know, the the last minute before they were like, fine, we're showing them. So, yeah, and I think, is it that next year they won't? I think so. Yeah. It it, it came down to it some regret because the guy who runs can is a really hardcore cinephile mm. and he's you know maybe i'm not saying he hasn't got a point but it's there's something i don't know man netflix is a, it's it's a complicated issue isn't it oh definitely because i think i've now kind of come around to the idea that maybe cinema needs netflix it needs something to shake it up a little bit. Yeah. And all this confusion it's creating will eventually be positive. And um, cinema's gone through a lot of downturns because of outside influences, be they television. You know, tele- cinema died when television t- came around. And so cinema changed. And, mm. therefore, and then cinema came back. Yeah. And, it, and then, you know, independent film died in the 90s after you know the big Miramax explosion and then it came back and now maybe you know the internet killed cinema and now it came back and maybe now it's it's Netflix's turn to shake it all up again because Mm. I mean what's this what what list are we looking at here okay I'm just looking at the best picture film best picture list Black Panther like Bohemian Rhapsody, please. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's not even a good film. I think the funny thing about Bohemian Rhapsody is, because I, I again, it's one of those films that I, I just didn't have the time to see. But when people talk about it, and there's certain events they talk about, you'll be like, "Well, that didn't happen then." Wait, what? And this was because it's just like, this, this is in our lifetime. It's stuff that we know. And so when they're talking about certain things, it'd be like, oh, well, this happened. And we'd be like, no, it definitely didn't happen in that order. That. Yeah. And so it's a bit like, why are they lying about history? I don't, that baffles me. I don't understand why you're not talking about figs in a certain way and it's also i think it's a bit weird 
that I wouldn't have left it at Live Aid. I would have gone further than that. Because for me, I've never been a Queen... I'm not a Queen fan. I don't, I don't like Queen, to be honest. But I, I, I do... I respect Freddie Mercury's range. I think his range is incredible. Yeah. And so for me, some of my, my favorite stuff was the opera stuff, Barcelona. Like, to do that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, how the hell is that this pop dude and now he, he the vocal range to to knock it out with these operatic singers that for me was incredible and and i would have thought i would have taken it there you no, know no, I mean, okay we're skipping around now but like let's just go to best actor for a set for a moment we're okay. just scrolling around looking for best actor because I agree with everything that you're saying about how um, palatable they made the story of Bohemian Rhapsody by changing things around, but at its very core, that guy, Rami Malek, <laughs> it's <laughs> offensive. <laughs> <laughs> we were, me and my wife were watching, there's a DVD extra that's on YouTube now, of they, it's shot by shot, comparing the real Live Aid with oh, the, shots shot. from Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you just can't keep your eyes. You can't watch Rami Malek. <laughs> it's impossible to avert your eyes from Freddie Mercury. That man was a force of nature. He had a charisma. He had a, he had a charisma. He had a joy to him. Yeah. He, and, and, you know, and there was a depth to him. He was a man who had gone through all sorts of shit. Rami Malek's a boy. Yeah. And who is, a, you know, he's a product of Hollywood. He, uh, he comes over as a product of Hollywood. And um, the film even, doesn't even, have you seen it? No. It doesn't even face, like, head on whether Freddie Mercury was gay or oh, not. Oh, yeah, no. So that was another crazy thing I remember hearing. And I just remember, I'm like, as a kid, I remember just hearing about the parties with the dwarves serving and up cocaine. Like, you don't make Bohemian Rhapsody without taking a yeah. shitload of drugs. Yes. There's no drugs in the film. Well, They're not even <laughs> clear whether how gay... This guy is a guy who's proud of being gay. Yeah. There is not a gayer man than that man. Yeah. And he wore it with pride. Yeah. And they, this film tries to slightly sweep it under the carpet. And I can't imagine that it's not kind of offensive. No, because, yeah, because I heard that they he's got a girlfriend in the film. He has got, and she's in there at, in the Live Aid bit, at, and it, which <laughs> is kind of meant to be a redeeming feature somehow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like she's kind of, she's an apology for him Throughout the film, they touch on maybe he's gay, like he's struggling with it. I don't think this man struggled with it. No, he, was in, he may have struggled with it at some point. Yes. but when he came around to it, yeah, he was he just was out. like brave enough yeah. to be like fucking. Yeah, I'm, you know, I am as gay. I'm going to be as gay as I can be. Yeah, and 
I think a lot of people took a lot of inspiration from that. Oh, and yeah. I think this is yeah, kind yeah. of a denial. This film felt like a denial of that, and I felt, you know, as someone who grew up with him, not as a gay man myself, but someone who grew up with a lot of gay men, they idolized this man because yeah. he was like, I think he changed things. I actually think he changed things. Well, and they didn't touch on that at all, which I thought yeah, was that's actually awful. I it's, think it's, it was bad. It's, 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 it's weird. It's disrespectful. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's like he, offensive, day, really. On his deathbed, the last words that he said to Brian May were, don't make any songs about Ford cars. <laughs> <laughs> what? He said, don't make me boring. Mm. Which is, they made him lame. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see this fabulous character doing things that you, you've only heard about. Yeah. The, just like the most out there, outrageous shit. And the most outrageous thing he does is hold, and all, he, do, he holds this, there's dwarves at the party, there are, but there's no, there's no cocaine in sight. And then the rest of Queen are there, sat, sat there, totally sober, being, oh, Freddie, don't you think you might be overdoing this a little bit? And I'm thinking, that's not how that went yeah, down, my friend. They, they would never have said that. No. And I don't think they were sober. No, either. they, they, they definitely they not they sober. Leave. They leave. They don't, because they don't party, these guys. I think basically oh, Queen, Queen had a little bit too much to do with this film. Yeah. And you know, Sasha Baron Cohen was meant to be yes. Freddie Mercury. And then he and got he booted away out. Because he couldn't stop. Yeah. Well, the original, what I heard was that the original meeting with them was them saying to Sasha Baron Cohen, and you know what's brilliant about this film? Freddie dies halfway through. And then we go on to be, still be the best rock band that ever was. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard Queen's great latest big hit? <laughs> I know, because they but just... This, I mean, that says it all for me. Yeah, because they tour with... Who is it? Is it Brian May's son I who's singing? It's some... Whoever, whatever, yeah. Who no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Who clearly, you know, do doesn't hold a candle to the guy because if not, we would have heard of him. Exactly, and hasn't yet. Ha all he has is this. Because if he was anything else, he'd have his own career. Yeah, so yeah. The, the one time that they actually managed to make it back on the spotlight was getting George Michael to sing for them. Yes, which was. That it was, was like something. A stroke, yeah, and it was like, yeah, okay. There is another man who can fucking hold the stage. You know, arguably I mean, like Freddie Mercury. Well, I, there's I, only been like ten of them yeah. who could ever do that. So um, the George Michael film, and at the end with his um, his wife. Uh, you know, is that what they're gonna say? It's just the weirdest thing, you know. Yeah, because I remember there was talk about, yes, yeah, Sasha, he was gonna be in it, and there was supposedly a lot of arguments about script and direction, and then I also heard stuff about the music. Like certain music couldn't be played, uh, and oh, it was really? uh, yeah, and and then yeah, he it left. Was actually, now, now you say that though, it was an odd choice of songs, odd by the emissions. Like there was a few songs that were like 
it was odd that those songs weren't in there. Like, right. yeah, they had a lot of the big hits, but then it was odd the certain of the hits that we all know and love. Not yeah. you as someone who's not <laughs> a big Queen fan, but as someone who's a big Queen fan, there were half, half of the songs that turned up. You just thought to yourself, they could have really replaced that with that other song that mm. would have been another big moment. But that, I think that's the thing. It's just like, look, you know the songs... Like, love them or, or not, you yes, know the songs. These songs. And you know the stories, yeah. whether you like them or not. It, it, like them or yeah. not you know their stories, because we grew up with them. Yeah. So to deny it, to try and paint it I in know. a different way, is the weirdest thing. Like, to say that he had a girl... Like, look, you could start off with the film with him, like, trying to make that decision. Like, am I going to come out or am I going to be in the closet? You can have that, but you can't end the film still on that note. No. Because he was definitely out. He was a gay guy by the end of it, but it was apologetic in in a way that I thought might be slightly offensive. Like, nothing, there was no joy that he gained from having come to the realization that he was gay. Like, just bad things happened to him. And he, like, he hits a. And I think that's true, that he was at a low... Yeah, 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 yeah. ...before... And he, it, he was kind of done and dusted, and then Live Ape came, came along and revived him. But to, to, to watch the film, you're thinking it's because he took a couple of drugs and started fucking men. And I really don't think that was the issue at the time. No. And And then the other members of the band came to save him. Uh. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's very clear what happened in, the, in those production meetings. But, like, okay, since, since we're doing... Let, should we talk about Best Actor? Yeah, since, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since, because, like, I've, I've said my part about Rami Malek, who I just don't think is... I just don't think he's a star. It, it seemed that they, he was chosen because he had that kind of look. Well, he's an but, Egyptian. As well. yeah. He was chosen because he had the look, and he was chosen to win. The reason he was chosen to win is all in his acceptance speech, is because he's the first Egyptian to have won. Mm. These guys are ticking boxes. Yeah. And he's, but look, who's he up against? He's up against Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, and Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Now, <laughs> which one? Of, we've both seen Green Book. Yeah. I've. Have you seen Eternity's Gate? No. No. Has Christian Bale ever won? No. Okay, I so don't. Christian Bale, Christian Bale, I mean, he smashes. He's, but he always smashes. Yeah, him, right? like he's a great actor. And the fact that, like, what was it? The Machinist. Amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. To lose all that weight. Yeah. It's insane. Like, and he puts it on for this. Yeah. And he's, like, indistinguishable. He's one of the... What's amazing about Christian Bale is that... And maybe he's just manoeuvred his career so brilliantly that no one really knows what he's like, apart from the people that he think that he's a total nutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, he's indistinguishable from the characters that he plays, whether he's... Vice President of the United States or Batman, yes. and yet he's total, or you know, some science fiction machinist guy who is just a weirdo. 
he disappears into these things and you yeah. don't you cease to see their face anymore and there's not many actors who can ch- change their face no know, ch- like change their entire being to the point that you don't recognize them anymore. no a lot of people like tom cruise will smith they are will smith and tom yeah. cruise in every single thing yeah and so there's not yeah there's not many actors and actresses who completely submerged themselves into a role anymore like I remember Charlize Theron in Monster and she put on weight she completely changed for that I remember when Bridget Jones and they were always like oh Renny Renny Zellweger put on weight and be like (laughs) really? (laughs) like Renny Zellweger put on weight She's still a stick. And it was a crazy thing. And Bridget Jones, and they she's were... still cute. Yeah. They were always like, oh, yeah, she's really put on weight for Bridget Jones. And you're just like, nah, not really. Yeah. Not really. But Charlie's for Ronnie Monster. Oh, my God. Oh. Just. And that's an attractive woman. Yeah. And she the definitely was not really in Monster. I know. <laughs> and, and same with Christian Bale. Like, there's no... That's an attractive man. And there is no part of you that's thinking, yeah, but he's an attractive... No, yeah. he's not an attractive man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he's fat all the way... He's fat and ugly all the way through. And, they, it, like, it follows his life from being a teenager all the way to his death. And um, he's not attractive even as a teenager. Like, he's a <laughs> fat, beer-drinking, bully idiot. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating story. And, I, you know, I think it's a good movie. And... It's certainly a good performance. And in terms of, like, going back to the list, in terms of the validity for being on the list, I, I wish we could see who was... Because we're now here, we're looking at the nominees. Like, I'm thinking of films that never made it onto the list. Ah, uh, yes. And... That's I mean, a the, thing, isn't it? I mean, that's, a, that's another thing, which would be... In, like, the one that came to mind when I was watching this was um, Leave No Trace. I don't know. If, did you see Leave No Trace? Doesn't ring a bell, no. It's Ben Foster being a survivalist. It's a true story. It's an amazing movie. It got. I was really surprised that it didn't make an impact at the Oscars, especially because it was directed by women. Okay. So I would have thought, at le- you know, yeah, if yeah, you yeah, need yeah, yeah. to make a statement, put a woman in the best director's film, best director's category, because that's a really, it's deserved to be there, whoever it was directed by. And it was a wonderful movie. And um, ben, Fo- ben Foster's always great, but it's like, um, the well, I forgot my own comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's just like... <laughs> You, you, the people that don't get nominated. Yes, right. Okay, yeah. Films that don't, that deserve to be on this list that weren't on this. Ne- next year, we should probably make a list of those films that <laughs> didn't make it onto the list. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. think of them right now. I know. That, that, well, I, would, I was very surprised with the films that didn't make the impact that I thought would have made an impact. Like, when I, when I saw them at the film festival at London... I remember watching Beautiful Boy, and I was thinking, yeah. that's such a great film. And the performances by um, Shalaman and um, 
Carell. I thought they were fantastic performances. And the film just didn't do anything. Yeah. And then there was... And that had a lot of buzz around Oh, gosh, yeah. Going in, that had so much buzz. And then it just went poof and just went. And I don't understand why. And then there was the film about... um, uh, not K.A.D., but the, the lady... Yes, the dangerous something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I and know. that was such a powerful film. That got, res- that got props at the BAFTAs, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, but nothing at the Oscars. Yeah. And I was a bit like, I don't know why. Why, th- why is that... Why isn't it anywhere? I didn't see that film, but I did hear... I heard that she was really good. Oh, sh- so good. And she, I mean, it didn't get one nomination. No, did it? no. I thought the direction was good. Like, she was good. And it was, and it was another one of those things because I remember those events. You know what I mean? It was just like, there's, certain, there's things that happen. You're like, oh, shit, I remember that. Oh, man. And it was just like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so it's weird seeing something that was like happening when you were a kid, but not knowing the full story. But then when you're watching the story, like little bits are becoming, oh, that happened at that time. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that being, oh, damn. And so that happened when that, ah, uh, and so, yeah, I remember that. And yeah, I mean, it so surprised me that it didn't, do anything at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it'd be fascinating to look at their selection process, uh, how that works, because I imagine all those things are on the table, mm. and yet it's obviously to do... I mean, okay, going back, we, we've established that there's a lot of politics involved <laughs> in this, but I don't know how... Is it done like? Is it done by the members of the academy? Do they get? I, yeah, that. A, so this, a long list? this is what I've, I. I know that all the members get the screeners and you watch them and then you vote, but I don't know how they select which ones are kind of up for the awards yeah. and which ones aren't. I know there's these windows. Like, you know, your film has to come out at this time, oh, otherwise yeah, it's yeah. not... Because it was just like... Um, so I was just looking here just to see films that we missed. And best film... The Guardian best films of 2018. And, um, like, Phantom Thread's on here, but that was in the previous window, because that was yes. last year, wasn't it? And they've put Leave No Trace, which is the film that I've... Oh, right. So they've yeah, got yeah, Roma yeah. as one, Phantom Thread as two which was last year's Oscars, mm. Leave No Traces 3, which should have been in this one, and then Loveless, uh, there's a few other ones. Yeah, you've got Cold War, Private Life, Widow, Widows, which I don't agree with at all. Um, the Wife, which ne- only got the nod for Best Actress, didn't it? Yeah. Barrow Buscog why are these things on here? Yeah, I, I wasn't blown away by Busker Scruggs. No. There was some of them were better than others, but as I, it was a weird one because, it, you know, originally it was meant to be a TV series and then they went back and forth with whether it's going to be a film or a TV series and then they were just like, in the end, all right, let's make it a film. Yeah. And it does feel like it, it's a TV series. 
Yeah, yeah. it's an anthology TV series yeah. rather than a film. But yeah, it was it was an odd one, Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not the biggest fan of the anthology. No. But yeah, I, I don't understand the whole selection process. No. Because I remember hearing that, because I remember seeing the um, the Peter Jackson documentary on the First World War and how incredible that was. But then it's like, oh, but it's not, you know, it won't be up for an Oscar. And you're like, wait, what? How? <laughs> I don't understand. What's going on? So, yeah, things have to come out at a certain time. And, it, yeah, I, it, it'd be curious to find out what the whole process yeah. is. You know, how how do they select what goes into what category and and when it comes out? Because, yeah, films come out and they're not eligible. And you're like, but that was that year, so how can it not be eligible? And it's, it's a weird one. I don't, yeah, it baffles me, man. It really And yet, you know, we're here kind of shitting on how irrelevant it is, but we're still fascinated, aren't we? <laughs> And I really, you know, I wish for all of us that they've somehow managed to figure out a way either to become relevant or for us to accept them as what they are, which is, you know, a home for these big movies that, um, you know, once in a while, Aroma will get in there. I'm just looking at the list now here that what you've got open for um, Best Picture. So you've got... You know, there's a, for me, we've got Roma, Star is Born, Vice, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favourite, and Green Book. Mm. I don't know what you think, but for me, the ones that deserve to be there... This list used to be shorter, didn't it? Yes. And it, it's yeah, they upped it a couple of years ago, maybe, I think, something like that. But I don't know why. I don't. Um, I don't understand how some some nomi- some categories have Along more films and yeah. yeah. I'm just like, why do, shouldn't every category be like five or six or just the same number for every one? Yeah, and it's not like you know there are so many great films made every year. That's the mm. opposite problem that we've got. But um, on that list, Roma, I've said it already, best film ever made. Possibly <laughs> one of them. A Star is Born and The Favourite all could have clinched it, actually. And arguably, in this, like, I think Roma did win the candle, the Palm Door. Yeah. And it should have won the Palm Door, and A Star is Born should have won the Oscar, and that would define what these two institutions stand for. Yes. But. Um, Vice it's really good not even Adam McKay's best film and The Favourite which we haven't talked about is also incredibly good mm. we've talked about Black Panther we both really enjoyed it doesn't deserve to be on this list we've talked about Bohemian Rhapsody Black Klansman and Greek Book none of which deserve to be on this list this, you know in each of them may or may not have their um you know, the, their standout features. Mm. But, I mean, the favourite. Me, what do you think? Yeah, I I enjoyed the favourite yeah. because I, I, so the, the, the thing was, um, 
So I saw it at the London Film Festival. And the thing with the film festival was, um, like, I, I got press accreditation. And I was like, oh my God, I got press accreditation. <laughs> this is incredible. All right, I've got to make this worthwhile. If I, you know, I, I, it, the favorite I, must have been a hot ticket, though, right? Well, it's a because I didn't know anything about it. So that was the weird thing. So I went in thinking, right, if I, as I've got this accreditation, I, I need to see as many films as possible and see films not just go for the big, big films. You know what I mean? Because I, I need to cover a, a big spread. And so that's why I saw the Bross documentary. Right. Because I was a bit like, because I was a bit, I'm not going to see that. But then I was like, but why not? I should cover, try and cover so many different things because that's why I'm here. And so there was a lot of stuff where there was a lot of scheduling conflicts. Like I didn't get to see Destroyer while I was there because it conflicted with some other stuff. And I remember, so the favorite, and I remember seeing Lobster. And so I recognized the director's name. And I, then I saw some of the people in it. I was like, okay, so I know these people that, you know what I mean? And it's a pe- I like some period pieces, so I thought, all right, let me see this. But I didn't really hear a lot of the big buzz around it going in. So I went in and saw it, and yeah, it was weird. You know, they used the, like these weird camera angles that you don't normally see. You know, like the tonally, the film was a bit different to other period pieces. Like the language that was used and the cadence was very weird. Because they'd be talking a bit like, oh, so thou be a cunt. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, wait, that doesn't end like that? Wait, how? Apparently he's very constructed. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, and so there's this weird stuff happening that you haven't seen like all together like that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I was a bit like, huh, this is different. And I think the the the, the interactions and the dialogue and the interplay between the characters works so well. Yeah, so brilliant. I mean, yeah. The dialogue was brilliant. So, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. I don't know if I'd say... It definitely wasn't my favourite film of the no. year, but I did enjoy it. I think I'm with you on that. I think it was... I really enjoyed it. It was re- really interesting and different and modern and, you know, um, pushing the boundaries and all of that. I only saw it last week and I did hear all the hype. Yeah. And for me, it was, I was quite surprised by what it was. I, I was expecting it to be Barry Lyndon, thinking it was going to be this epic costume drama that kind of redefined cinema and mm. then realized that actually it's a comedy. Yes. It's just, it's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. you mentioned Blackadder when we were talking before. Like, obviously, it's better. It's you know, it's got a higher production value and it's got more depth than that. But it's kind of that. Yes. And it's um, weirdly watching it. I 
kept thinking, this is, it's not Barry Lyndon, it's Amadeus. It reminded me of Amadeus. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I was wa- then I listened to a talk with Yorgos Lanthimos afterwards, and he, he said that he, they purposefully not watch Barry Lyndon as a reference because they thought that they would be overly influenced by it. But Amadeus was something that he had got everyone to watch because it had the, a similar tone mm. to what he was after. Like it was, you know, it, it, it had a kind of anti-establishment vibe to it. Cause you know, that's Amadeus is a, is a rock and roll song yes. in lots of ways yeah, about yeah, a rocker yeah, yeah. who wasn't ex- established. And this, you know, it's modern and it's, it's cool mm. in lots of ways. And the, the three central, all the performances are amazing. Nicholas Holt in it is amazing. Oh, oh yeah. He's no. hilarious. See, and, and it's a funny thing because I saw Colette, I, I, I think, a day before, a couple of days before. Yeah. And they are so different. Yeah. Like, I didn't... Colette yeah. was okay, but it yeah, was just... A, like it, was just a, it was just a bit bland. Yeah. I found Colette a bit bland. And... You know, all the talk now, like I've, I've seen Kieran Knightley on, on shows and they're talking and it's like, oh, it's revolutionary and it's oh, breaking barriers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't get that from the film. No, I, I did, that did not come across in the film. The film was a bit stayed. It Have was. Have seen it before? Yes. There was right? nothing new no, in that like, film. Yeah, from a feminist perspective. For a feminist perspective, yes, maybe it's a story that needed to be told and all of that. But as a period drama, I mean, just at, at its, like, on its sort of simplistic level, like, Colette's thing was like, we're going to use costumes from the time, the same materials that they use, everything needs to be really authentic. And Yorgos Lanthimos, who was a favorite, was like, I don't want any of, like, everything needs to be made out of modern materials. Yeah. So I want to use denim. I used to want to use 3D printing. Like, I use the same shapes, but, and, and you get that. Mm. You know, it feels out of time, and it's, you know, there's something special about the way he's approached it, whereas yeah. Colette, I've seen that approach before. Yes. And yeah, maybe the story is... It's something different, but the approach to the filmmaking is not is not not is nothing you haven't seen before. Yeah, because this is. Yes, and it is like I think that's cool that yes. it's actually included in that list mm. because it, it's actually a little film in a lot of ways. It's a little film. Like oh, Rover, yeah, massive. Yeah, film. yeah, for real. Sarah's Born is a massive film, as is Vice. Even Green Book, it's like a big Hollywood movie. Mm. Whereas, you know, The Favourite is kind of a small European Yes, like a, film. A, the, the indie film that could, kind yeah, exactly. of. Yeah, exactly. Really. And, uh, yeah, which isn't sad. I'm sure, you know, for, as a small European indie film, it probably had a really big budget, but it doesn't belong here. No. And yet, that's, that should have been the weird breakout movie and I would have actually been happy for it to win that category. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, if that Even had... Even though I thought Roma was a better film. Yeah, if, if that had won, I'd have been like, okay, but Green Book to win, it's a bit like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. But this is... A, right, this is something that has bugged me for years. It's bugged me for years, and it'd be interesting to get your perspective, right? So, best director, best film. They sh- for me, should be the same film. Because 
it's not a good fit. Well, no, I, actually, no. I think the best director, the best film, best actor, best actress, because I think they all go hand in hand. Without all of these things, you're not getting the best film. So it always seems a bit weird when you have the best film and then the best director is someone different to who directed the best film. Because yeah, no, I'm like, how do you get the best film? With, the best yeah. And if it's not the best actor, how is it not the best? How is it the best film without the best actor and the best actress? So I'm always a bit like, how are they different to that? I, 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 it always kind of like made, made scratch and like maybe you can get because like um, you know sometimes I think it's like the like looking at sport the Golden State Warriors when they won the first um, the, 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 you know the first championship a couple of years ago I think it was that you couldn't you wouldn't initially say that they had a huge star on their team like a LeBron but the team worked so well together, which enabled them to win. So you're like, okay, I can see that. So maybe you could say that a film, it just needs a best director, and then he brings so much out of everyone else that it elevates things. And then you could say the best actor was in something else. I could get with that. But I don't think it's... I, just, I can't work out a best film without the best director. That's the, the two that seem a bit yeah, weird to me. I know what you mean. I mean, I know what you mean, but I think there is a difference. It's hard to put into words. No! No! no. <laughs> I've made a point. How dare you go against me? No, I am going to go against you. I think this is a much deeper question, which kind of gets into the whole auteur theory of film, mm. where the film is the director's film yeah, yeah, right? yeah the yeah. director's piece is the film and as a director i'm not a believer in that like the belief that the film is a collaboration between a load of different people and whilst the director does well um it you know depending on the film and the way it was made does a lot of the heavy lifting you don't you really can't um, sideline all the other people who are on this? Look, what I think is interesting in this particular case is they give Quaron best cinematography, so they're saying it looks the best. Yeah, they're giving him best director, so it's directed the best. You know, like the overriding essence of the film is the best. Yeah, they're also giving him best foreign film. Yeah. So, of all the films that were not made in English... <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's Green Book got? It's oh, English. Right. It's got English. That's what it's got, Sonny Jim. <laughs> if, if those Portuguese could speak the, the English, the Queen tongue... The, yeah, yeah. I think that will learn them. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've really touched on the hypocrisy of this now. <laughs> <coughs> I think he even got best editing. 
I think yeah, he won quite a lot. Yeah. Like all yeah, yeah, of the yeah. biggies went to Alfonso, and mm. he personally did a lot of that stuff. So I think, like, I, 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 I'm going to go back on myself and say that I do <laughs> think you can have a film that is better in its entirety than the director did on a, a film that was in competition with it. But if you're now telling me that that film that was so the best directed also was the best edited and the best shot and was the best film made on the planet but maybe not in English <laughs> I really wa- wonder why Green Book yeah it's, a, it's a weird one <laughs> yeah. because yeah no I, I and it does and, and, and I think you really like this is it's really interesting because this you, you, you really to get to the answer to this you need to really delve into what's important in cinema how important is the director is it a auteur medium or is it a collaborative medium yeah. and like these are questions that I imagine the members of the academy are asking themselves but I don't think they're making these decisions based on those questions no. I think they're making those decisions based on the world and its issues and that they think that they live in and how they think that they can fix that Yeah, and they're just not Either they need to leave and replace themselves with people that know a little bit about this and can fix this, or just not try to be all things to all people and realize that, you know, they represent, you know, Green Book and A Star is Born, Black Panther, all these films, they're important to a lot of people. And they, they deserve to have prizes, but you, if you try to be all things to all people, you end up in a bit of a mess. And I think what we've got here is a big scramble. De- oh, no, definitely. It was, I, I think, like, it, if you think about, like, the Razzies, and I just remember year, <laughs> like, years ago, and when I remember hearing about the Razzies, I'm just like, wait, what? And I was like, who's going to go and collect a Razzie? That's insane. And then... I forget who was the first, but like big actors and actresses suddenly started to go and pick up the Razzies. I mean, like Sandra Bullock went this year or maybe it was last year, but went and picked up a Razzie. And you're like, oh, shit. But they do it in a fun way. And I'm just like, all right, that's cool. Because the Razzies now knows what it is. It's it's fun. It's, It's having a laugh. And I think, Maybe that's what the Oscars needs to kind of reconcile itself yeah. as being. Being like, look, we're not the prestigious awards that maybe we once were or we'd like to be, but we are this. Yeah. And go, this is who we are now, and we're going to have fun with it. Yeah, And we're one in a landscape of many quite high-profile award ceremonies mm. where we used to just be, we were the top yes. and everyone else was secondary to us. No longer the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, def- definitely. Because, you know, I, I, I think no one really knew about the other, like Toronto, Berlin, London. Golden, you know what I mean? Golden Globe. Yeah. Now, you know, it used to be the setup for the Oscars. Mm. Now it's almost as important as the Oscars. Like, you'll yeah. see as many statues on posters of Golden Globe statues as you will of Oscar statues. Yeah. Both naked. Yeah. Yeah, which which, well, which is weird. Bed, 
I thought time was up, people. <laughs> if this year they put a pair of little shorts on the Oscar, oh, that would have been incredible. I would have loved that. That would have been insane. <laughs> but I do think that I, I do think you're right in this respect that you know a film is more than one thing. You know, it's like the cinematography, it's the design, it's the actors and actresses, it's like you're in the script writers, and it's all of these things that come together to make a good film. And you you can have an amazing film without any big stars when all of these things come together and work. That you know what I mean? It, it it doesn't have to be like the huge Hollywood big yeah. thing. It's almost the problem with these awards that because they limit the list so much, and I, like we said right at the beginning of this conversation, it's weird how it's the same ten yeah. films that appear in everything. Yeah. everything. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense if the five films in the best director category weren't the same five films in the best film category. Yes. Then you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Or, yeah. you know, to, there was a little bit of crossover. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, you know, the editing in one in one film really got a nod for the editing because the editing was amazing, but that's the only thing that was good about it. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't believe that it's just, you know, that, that it's the, the teams that get to work on these films are the only good people who are working. I know no. for a fact that's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're including, you know, foreign language films in best film they really need to broaden their scope to all cinema as well like I've seen a lot more you know films that deserve to be on a list that weren't in English this past year than Roma and if they were considering all of them like Roma had to be considered yeah because it was such high profile yeah yeah, 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 it was you know it was controversial that was on Netflix it was Alfonso Cuaron that Last time he was, at the, you know, last film he did at the Oscars was Gravity, which was massive. And so they couldn't avoid but um, include him. But there's a lot of other films that needed to be on that list if you're including films that aren't in English. And suddenly you can broaden your spectrum to all the sound designers in the entire world, which is not to say that it's, this, it's one of ten people. Mm. And, you know, suddenly that might make for a more interesting... Yeah, I I think it's um, it's sexy to go. Oh, this film was nominated for twenty oh, awards, yeah. Yeah. and I think that's what they it's also like. That theater they've got couldn't fit all the people that you needed to fit. You're <laughs> all the film in the world. Yeah, you want the stars in that room. Mm. Oh which yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the sound designer needs to be from one of the films that has also been nominated for, for that. If not, you're going to, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because yeah, I think it would definitely be a more interesting award ceremony. If you said, okay, like you can have two nominations. Yeah. And you know, it, we're opening up because there are more great films that were actually given respect to. So you can have two nominations a film. That's decide which decide that's which ones you're that's going an for. Interesting ceremony. That's an interesting award ceremony. 
where you can only have three or four and you have to be like the the um, board needs to be really selective mm. because even if it is Roma which I've not said I don't know if I've said it already I think it's possibly <laughs> one of the best films ever oh made. I don't think I don't <laughs> think you mentioned that um, I have to be really selective about which ones it goes in because yes. I have to consider all the films that are out there and like Kevin, I think you've, you've struck on something there. Huh? I think that that is the future for someone because that, that really opens up the field mm. and, it, and it would make you think, really, what is Black Klansman's, you know, what, what is its saving graces? Yeah. And it does have some. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It w- that's the thing. It's, it's not a terrible film. No. I mean, I'm not saying it's a terrible film. I just... It's just not the amazing film that no. some would like you to believe it is. It's again, it's one of those Sunday matinee films, you know. For but me, for instance, it, that's what it is. It looks good. Yes. So I don't know if it was nominated for cinematography, but it might be there. It the styling's amazing. So hair and make the makeup department. I don't know if it was nominated for that, but it should be there. And if I had to limit it to three, then, you know, I'd put it in the ones where it, it might win. Yeah, no, see, that's the thing. Because I think at the moment, people are going with a blanket approach and they, they're throwing a film all over the place, you know, scattergun and be like, oh, where will it land? Where, yeah, I think make people be selective and go... Because then you'd look at a film and go, okay, where are sh- well, the costumes? The like, Thingy did an amazing job on the costumes, so that. And the cinematography is great. So we, we think it's the best film, but it will, it's probably standing most chance with costumes and cinematography. And I think we would get a more honest on award ceremony. Yeah, I agree. I agree. By limiting it like that, I think that's a really interesting approach to it because... Um, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing what, um, how many films are represented on average per decade. I don't know if there are more now. I imagine there's less now than there used to be. I don't know if that's true or not. But um, you do, it does seem to be like there are these big award contenders and they're just scatter, they're, they're scattergunned all the way in every category. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a thing. What was the film? You say, oh no, Black Handsman. No, it's not up for cinematography. No, cinematography was Cold War, Roma, The Favorite, A Star Is Born, and Never Look Away. Okay, all of which I part, Never Look Away I've not seen. What is that? I don't know what that film is. Yeah, it doesn't ring any bells no okay but we should probably <laughs> check that out because those other four look fantastic like they're really fantastic looking films mm. so um okay here's the tip let's check out never look away yeah <laughs> right what the the one other film i i just want to mention like with animated feature film yeah so you had incredibles 2 um, I think that's Isle of Dogs. 
um, Myra, Wreck-It Ralph 2, and Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. And the winner was Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. And that made me so damn happy. Because, oh my God, that film was so good. Like, I've, out of these films, I, I saw Wreck-It Wreck Ralph and I saw Incredibles 2. I didn't get around to seeing Dogs, I Love Dogs because I really wanted to see it. And Myra, I was going to see it. She's meant to be great. But it's subtitled, so oh, yeah. then I didn't see it. That must exist. It must do. It's Japanese. They, they tend to do that. Yeah. The, but not at film festivals, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, I have had a kid in the last couple of years, so I hardly ever get to the cinema. I will watch Incredibles 2. I, will watch, I refuse to watch any Wes Anderson films. That's a conversation <laughs> for another day. And Myra... Next week's been. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with him. And I am dying to watch Into the Spider-Verse. It looks so cool. Oh, my gosh. It, it was so good. I enjoyed it so much. Because it was so, fu it was so fun. Yeah. It was like... You know, because you think about how many Spider-Man films we've had in yeah, the last yeah, yeah, yeah. decade. And no at live action feature will... I'm, you're a comic book guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm a comic book guy, so we know about the Ultimate Universe, we know yeah. about Spider-Ham. I've not seen the film, but I know that all these things have gone on. Yeah, yeah, and when yeah, I yeah. heard that they were doing this, I was like, yeah, they'll never do that in live action. No. So this is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, doing yeah. this. I can only imagine that they won't pull it off. And then I've heard from everyone that they've totally oh, pulled it off. They pulled it off so well. Yeah. I think it was always a thing. I, when I saw, um, oh God, not Justice League, it was Spider-Man Dawn of Justice. Was that the one with... Superman. Superman, yes. The one with, with Superman and Batman. Yeah. And when he's punching him and he's like, why did you say Martha? Wait, what? My mum's called Martha too. We need to be best friends now. I'm going to stop hitting you. Ugh. Hate is so bad. But they force so many characters into the film. Yeah. And it just didn't work. There was too many, pe there was too many people in it. And, I've, and so... It's one of those things where you always wonder when you see there's going to be a lot of characters in a film. Be like, can they pull it off? You know, Justice League didn't pull it off. X-Men, um, X-Men, oh, which was the one, End of Days? No, it, it was like, the, yes, just pulled it off. Like, there was... There was characters in it that you're just like, I don't see the point. Yeah. But they just, they, you mean, on, on the scale, they just got away with it. But, like, and one of the big ones recently definitely was Infinity War. Infinity War, I think, is a masterclass oh, in how you do they, that. They, they... to say that it's a great movie, but they <coughs> understand... It's almost like an anthology film. Going yeah. back to how I don't really love, love anthology films. But the way they made that film, kind of like an anthology film, it's kind of like watching 
a TV series, but it totally felt cinematic, it worked. Well, I, I think the other thing with Infinity Wars was it doesn't necessarily follow the usual tropes of a film. Yeah. And so yeah, it's... That's what I'm it, I think it's... Yeah. Like, it uses the way we watch TV to inform it on how to, you, how to tell so many stories and make them feel... Because it doesn't feel like an anthology. No. But I... Okay. I'm putting my hand up and saying I've, I've seen it like four times now. <laughs> I now understand the structure. It really is like part one, part two, part three, and they don't really come together at all until mm. the end. But yeah. they literally happen in different parts of the universe. Yes. In different universes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the only way you can do it. But it yeah. feels cohesive. And they do that through production design. They do that through music and sound. And it's really clever. Mm. Like, I, I'm not going to say that that's necessarily the best way to make a film, but that's a really good way to make a film that's got 50 characters in it that you're meant to be involved in. Yeah. And I've heard that this, the Spider-Man film, does that, but in an even better way. Oh, yeah. kind of the same. See, that's the thing. And so because we've seen the Spider-Man origin so many times and we've seen certain oh, things so many it. times, they, they, you kind of see it, but the way that they do it, it's so well done. And without forcing you to re-watch this thing for, the, for half an hour. Did they show the Peter Parker or the Miles Morales one? Both. Both. Yeah. Well, we see, actually, we see many origins. We see many origins in this film. And it's just genius the way they do it. And it's fun they like they, they make fun of oh what version of spider-man is this? i mean it's just like ah oh, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. so good it, it just works on so many levels so yeah i, I, I man you're gonna i oh, think no, you're gonna, gonna love it gonna you're gonna love it i'm a bit worried because you know straight away they're like we're doing a sequel and then they're like Okay, so we're probably going to do... The, the, so they're going to do... Definitely going to do a sequel. Then they were saying that they would maybe follow um, the Spider-Women characters in another film. And then they were thinking, oh, maybe we'll do a Miles Morales film. And so I'm being like, I don't want them to dilute it and go crazy. Money, money, money. <laughs> yeah, this, like, Marvel has these multiple universes. Oh, it's Sony, though. No, but it's Sony. Okay, so expand it to the X-Men. And also, yeah, okay, I get it. No, there's Sony a... Sony has a deal with Marvel now. Yeah. You can just ask for it to go the other way. No, so, no, but the, the pro... The, see, this is the thing, right? So, Sony, they didn't want to work with Marvel they back hired, in the day. Yeah. And then... They bec- rented Spider-Man back to them, didn't they? Yeah, well, yeah, because, um, like, the first two Rami Spider-Man films. Fantastic. They were so good. Watch them now, you're like, yeah. and it's insane. This is like the, the, how effects have changed so much. Yeah, but yeah. those two films were really good. The third one wasn't... Maguire, yeah. Like, he seemed so right at the time. Oh, for real. Now that's been redefined. Yeah. yeah. And the third one, like I think everyone knows it was a studio interference. Fuck that film. So then they rebooted it with Amazing Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield. They didn't work. Those two, 
Like the first one is okay. Yeah, I like the first but one. I think the problem with it is Andrew Garfield's too old. I think that's one of the big yeah. problems. He's too well, no, what's so good about the new one is that he's so young. Yes. That this what's his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland yeah. is proper Peter Parker. Yes. Because you can actually tell the school days stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's that the thing. That was a genius move. And so, because with Amazing, you couldn't tell him. Because you, you need, I think you needed, after t- t- Maguire, you needed to go in a more of a different direction. Yeah, yeah. And so Amazing, where Garfield, he was okay. And Emma Watson was good in it. And, and that, but, you're still dealing with the same kind of period yeah, yeah, in totally time. Exactly. And, and so, you know, the it first... made it more grown-up. Yeah. Commas, but actually didn't change the um, formula at all. Yes. Where, and I think that the guys at Marvel saw it and were probably rubbing their hands and thinking, <laughs> we know exactly what this needs here. Yeah, and because <laughs> the second film flopped, so then Sony actually saw sense and was just like, you know what, the Marvel films are doing so well... Let's make a deal so Spider-Man can be in the Marvel Universe properly, can be Avengers, all of that, and they can help us with this. So they do that. But then any spin-offs from Spider-Man, that's the Sony. And so because, you know, they're splitting the the, the profits from the Spider-Man film with Marvel... They're like, oh, if we do a Morbius film, if we do a Black Cat film, if we do, that's all us. So it's kind of, you kind of feel that they want to then spin off some of like the Spider-Verse and things like that. So they're making even more money. And it's a bit like, don't water down the product. Yeah. Well, whatever. This thing sounds like it stands alone. So I'm just really looking. Oh man, you're, you're gonna love it. It, it, it. It's great. It really is. But um, God damn it, we we have talked for two hours. Okay. We have talked for two goddamn hours. Nothing else. We're good at talking for a long Okay, right. Let, let, let's call it here. Um, and yeah, we, we can do a de-section, uh, de-section, de Yes, that's the word. A dissection of the Marvel Universe and Endgame. Up until the end of phase one. Yeah. Sometime after April. Yeah, that's so, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, people. So that is our Oscar breakdown. And um, all right. It's the film podcast. So here's a film review. So here are my thoughts on Captain Marvel. Well, as it came out on Friday, I figured I would go and catch Captain Marvel. Um which is directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. It's written by um, Bowden, Fleck, um, and also Genevieve Robinson. 
um, Dewart, Nicole Perlman, Meg Lafleur. Uh, yeah, it's starring Brie Larson, Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, um, Jude Law, Annette Benning, Clark Gregg, and a, and a host of other, you know, really good uh, actors and actresses. So the storyline is that Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Um, this, it, it was an interesting film. And, and especially because, alright, so also, you know, Lash, Lashana Lynch is in the film and Akira Akbar. Now, the interesting thing about that is, um, so Lashana plays Maria Rambu, and Akira plays her daughter Monica Rambu. And in the comics, Monica Rambu also, for a time, is known as Captain Marvel. So, um, yeah interesting and especially making the younger one so that i guess that opens up things for the future uh with that but um yes i uh, the, i thought this was very interesting i enjoyed the fact that it wasn't a traditional origin story you know, we weren't given, like, ages to go, oh, okay, so this happened, blah, 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 blah. It was um, kind of similar to Spider-Man Homecoming, to the fact that we got a lot of the backstory through flashbacks. Uh, so, you know, um, we have Carol, you know, like, it were opened up with Carol having some nightmares, so this is another way. So we're getting flashbacks, nightmares. This is a way in, in which we're getting a lot of the information. So it's an interesting device, you know, to try and fill in the gaps. So with that, and we're on Hala, which is the home world to the Cree. So what one thing this does, this film, it, it kind of takes influences from I think it's Roy Thomas who wrote the Cree Skull War and so some of that is used within this story now you don't get the full scale of a war but you, you know what I mean we're like on the fringe of it so it's referenced and it kind of plays into the events that are happening in the film. So, yes, as I was saying, look, it's it's not the traditional origin story. And, you know, so we're getting introduced like that. So that's an interesting thing. And then the story kind of is evolving. You know, so we're kind of trying to understand the place in it all 
and you kind of sense there's more happening but we just don't know yet and it's all playing like when they hit earth you know it's we're in the 80s so that's really interesting because like suddenly you're seeing things like blockbuster video and it's just the music i love the soundtrack the soundtrack man just brings back so many memories you know what i mean and that that was fun that was a lot of fun like i think the 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 big kind of underpin of of this film seemed to be friendship and judgment you know well when i said look i probably not judge just um preconceptions yes that i i think judgment is there but it's it's preconceptions i think so friendship and that they're the big kind of things underpinning this film because it's you know i think understanding who your friends are and gaining strength from your friends that's the thing that kind of sets um you know captain marvel carol danvers that sets her free you know essentially here and we're on that road of discovery with her kind of you know unlocking like who are you like there's a bit at the beginning where she's told look emotions weaken you the only way you can succeed is by deading them you know humor not good just you know just dead all of that and then you'll be strong but then it's the realization that no these things are important these things kind of help anchor you they give you that understanding of who you are what your worth is why we're here so there's there's all of this happening and we see it you know that like the flashbacks the memories the nightmares they're all building and giving her you know this understanding of her identity and that's really coming through and so you know like there's things in the film like towards the end there's this twist now i guess you know for some people it might be an obvious thing but if you haven't read the comics see this is the thing if you've read the comics the twist is a bit like oh because yeah it kind of goes against the grain a little from what we we know and especially of recent years <laughs> yeah definitely recent years you know so it's a bit like oh interesting so we have that and then um there's also the kind of tie in to infinity war which is fun it's very fun like to see how this ties in but also not just infinity war but you see kind of little bits that tie to guardians of the galaxy 
and and stuff like that with Ronan, um, you know, another elements of decree. So that is nice to see these little kind of interplays with the whole Marvel universe. There's a nice little Stan Lee cameo in there, um, which, which you know, it, it's not and. Like, I have to, talking about Stan Lee, you know, like, you, everyone knows the, the way Marvel films start, and DC stole that as well with the whole, you know, you see the, the letters of Marvel at the beginning, so Marvel Studios, and it used to kind of show individual characters and clips of films and all of that, and then you get Marvel Studios flash up. So instead of, the, you know, the individual characters... Now it was Stan, so we're getting different kind of clips and different images of Stan Lee, and that was nice, you know what I mean, that was a nice little touch, yeah, I I, I appreciated that, you know, but yeah, I, I enjoyed, look, this is a solid story, it's a solid story, and I think it takes you on the, the that emotional journey, so I would say that this is it's a good it's a decent film. There is one thing though, like I did think it was lacking the spark that you have in some of the films, you know, like in in Black Panther, in the first Avengers, Infinity War. You know, like Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, the four films. Like, you know, the Iron Man films. Like, there's this kind of energy. There's this spark that kind of really kind of gets you going all the way through. And there was a flatness at times to the film. And it wasn't like the scenes were, were bad. So the scenes were good. Everything that we're seeing on the screen was good, but sometimes there would just be this flatness, which, um, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on to why, but even with that, I would still say this is a film that is worth seeing, you know, I don't think it's necessarily as good as some of the most recent films like Panther, Infinity War, Doctor Strange. Um, I wouldn't say it's as quite as good as those films. But it's still solid. It's still a fun story. And hey, listen. The um the first scene, the first credit scene. Ooh, that's very good. That is very good. Oh, man, that's going to make you so happy. And also, look, stay to the very, very, very end because there is another scene there. So, yeah, there's two cut scenes in the credits for this film. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a good film. It's a good film. So... Regardless of, you know, the the spark, the energy, it's still an interesting story. It's still done 
very well. The, the fights are good. The effects are good. It is dark in places. There is definitely places where it is very dark. And um, I, because I hear people around me like, ooh, oh. Ah. So there's kind of visual, visual cues on the screen, which I missed. But even, you know, regardless of all of that, I still came out enjoying the film. Well, there was a lot of noise. <laughs> oh my gosh, there was so much noise. Like the, the these people dragged their kid to come see the film. The kid didn't want to be there. The kid was screaming all the way through the film. Like running up and down. It was a shit show. But even with all of that, still enjoyed the film. So, hey, if you get a chance, go see it. Um, and especially because, it, yeah, it's tying into Endgame. So, uh, yeah, next month, baby. <sighs> Can't wait for that. But, yeah, people, that's um, Captain Marvel. All right. Okay, people, so we've hit that time once again. I hope you have enjoyed this episode because it was a lot of fun to make and this is closest to how I envision this podcast to be you know so we're gonna there'll be work to try and keep it like this in the future you know what I mean so um yeah watch this space you know what I mean the work is going this is it's typical to find the time man but listen you don't need to hear all all the whiny whiny shit all right let's hit with some film news and then we bounce so um like recently um Variety has put out a story about Anna Perna's pictures, their financial situation. Um, now, the studio has put out many, like, really critically well-received films. You know, stuff like Her, Zero, F- Dark Thirty, 20th Century Women... Phantom Fred, If Bill Street Could Talk, Vice, Destroyer, Sorry to Bother You, you know what I mean, stuff like that, they also put out The Master and Spring Breakers, which kind of stunk, I feel, I don't know why they're on this list, but hey-ho, but anyway, so although these films have been received by the critics really well and they've won certain awards uh some of the you know smaller award ceremonies like the spirit awards golden globes things like that the films haven't performed great at the box office itself you know like the the big films have made um like a loss like um so from last year like destroyer is reported to have lost seven million like if bill street could talk it's between eight and ten million vice 
15 to 20 million um you know which is kind of kind of crazy but i do wonder if international um takings have been considered with these numbers you know i i think that's a, a an important thing to recognize as well this destroyer only came out in the uk earlier in the year you know so there is that um and out of all the films sorry to bother you is the only one that they're listing uh, as to be making a profit and it isn't a huge profit um but this is the thing like you you have to understand when you're making certain type of films like the like cinemas aren't going to devote huge space for them because when you've got like a big blockbuster that's where they know their money is going to be coming from you know so there's a lot that goes into the placement and how these films are going to make money um the thing that i find odd though about the whole situation is um there's megan elson you know she runs anna puna uh and you know because of the um you know the story being in um you know the story being in variety she put out a tweet saying nice way of supporting women i have done good things for this industry and you want me in it by the way my money and i look more like like basically beyonce throwing up cash in the air and my dad thinks i'm dope as fuck you know that was the response which it is it's a kind of a weird thing because you know none of this was saying like women can't run a studio or or anything like that it's just talking about the fact that you know the studios are, are in financial situations at times even when their films are talked about in a high revere so i i you know what i mean i find it very frustrating when people bring it down to gender when gender isn't even the, the point of the discussion but um it will be interesting to see how you know the studio goes forward they do have the um the joint distribution deal with mgm united artists so that could definitely help them on the financial side of things but yeah i i think it will be uh you know a while until we we know what the the full situation is okay so um this year is the 40th anniversary of the alien franchise and so 20th century fox has um you know they've struck a deal with a um you know a a, a a partner studio like a production company and they're putting out six um shorts that are set within the alien universe and that will um 
tell little stories, you know. So um, they're gonna come out on the, you know, they'll start gonna roll out uh, on a weekly basis from the 29th of March, and they'll first appear on IGN. Then from the 3rd of May, they will be available. Um, on the Alien Anthology Twitter channel and, you know, the uh, any other social media channels that the handle has. And they'll also appear on AlienUniverse.com with behind-the-scenes, you know, content and some other stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's something to look forward to if you're a fan of... Of um of the franchise. Okay, now more things that are happening this month. So on the twentieth of March, so that's next week, people. The um the merger between Disney and um well, when I say merger, it's acquisition. You know, really, it's an acquisition. But on the twentieth of March. The Disney acquisition of 21st Century Fox should all be done. They they got approval from um, the Mexican regulators, which was the last part of the whole process. And so at the moment, it's now just down to um, the 21st Century shareholders to decide... Um, today as well is the um, last day for that, but they're just deciding how they want to um divvy up, you know, the the, the their um profits from the situation. So how many shares and how much money? But yeah, soon gonna be done, and so then things can move forward. Like, you know, I mean, there's the big thing from this that everyone really wants to know. When will, like, the X-Men and other characters owned by Fox start appearing in the Marvel Universe? So, um, the MCU, baby. So, yeah, we will be knowing very shortly. Um, so, that will be interesting. Okay. Um, also, now, listen, we know for a fact that we're going to have to wait until, um, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home comes out, I believe that's in July, um, so, you know, we've got Avengers Endgame next month, April, and yeah, then we've got Spider-Man Far From Home. So once those two films have come out, then Kevin Feige has said that he will um, start revealing the next phase of plans for the MCU. So there's a, there's a lot of speculation out there at the moment. You know, is it going to be a Neymar film? Is it going to be a Daughters of the Dragon thing? You know what I mean? But, you know, we're going to find out soonish anyway. But word has come recently that um, 
Director Destin Daniel Creighton, who is behind Short Term 12, he is supposedly going to be directing a Shang-Chi film for Marvel Studios. So the film is kind of a play on the um, 1970s Kung Fu TV series. And it follows um, a guy of Chinese origin who is, um, I mean, he's a, he's a master of fighting. And, um, you know, he gains the ability to create, create an infinite amount of replicas of himself. Um, kind of sounds a bit like um, the multiple man, but, you know, I don't know. Like, he's appeared in the Avengers, Hero for Hire, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that is a film that will uh, supposedly be coming in the next phase. And like with Black Panther, having a, um, you know, a large African-American black cast... This is to believe to have a largely Asian American Asian cast. So, um, yeah, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that is a rumor. So we will see what happens with that. And finally, so as expected, you know what I mean? With the success of Spider Man Homecoming and then. The huge success and the Oscar of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that I think took everyone by surprise. Um, Sony Pictures have um, come up with a, uh, a plan for their own universe. Because also remember, they're all, they've also had huge success with the um, PS4 Spider-Man game. And then there was Venom, which was terrible, but it did make a lot of money. So, um, you know, with all of that success, it was, you know, you knew it was coming, that they were going to create their own universe and it's funny because Nia Tupac did talk about this you know um but yeah like we've already we heard you know loads of stories about a black cat silver sable film you know a Morbius film you know a Dr. Octopus film so there's always been there's been that talk and then from Spider-Verse, they were talking about, you know, a Spider-Woman spin-off, a Mars Morales spin-off, a direct sequel, you know, a Spider-Ham cartoon, and all of this other thing. So, look, it's no surprise when um, the uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment Chairman, Tony Vin- Vinci Quillers, um and their TV chairman, Mike Hopkins, recently revealed huge plans for, um, you know, what they are dubbing the Sony's universe of Marvel characters. 
a little complicated, but you know, it's one of those things. So they're saying that they've got a, a blueprint of film and TV that will go through till 2026. Um, in a quote, they said, we have the next seven or eight years laid out as to what we're going to do with that asset. And that will not only be the film side, it will be on the TV side. Our television group will have its own set of characters from within that universe that we will seek to develop. Um, and, you know, they're, they're saying that, you know, they are, um, I think they, 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 they've already made huge development on the ideas so they're looking to you know have their own kind of thing like with the marvel netflix films and the kind of dc universe on the cw um we're de developing a lot of marvel related content and i think we'll be out in the market very soon with something really really big and trans Informational for us because we're not done any shows with Marvel before with Marvel IP so that's a big piece of development that we're on to and I think we aspire to have several shows in a universe that we create that can pollinate between each other and to work with a partner to make that happen um yeah you know um and they're saying that, you know, they, they'd be down for working with Marvel on this stuff as well. So, um, yeah, that is all the news from this week, people. So, yeah, again, look, hope you had a fun episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, share it with your friends and your people. Leave a comment on iTunes. It will be greatly appreciated. And people, go see films because it's comic relief this weekend and no one gives a fuck about that. So use the time to go watch some fun films and we will be back same time, same place next Thursday. That's right, people. We out.